0: hey guys welcome to another episode of the ponytails podcast i am your host andres gamboa we interview people who sold books for southwestern advantage door-to-door for 80 hours a week on street commission during the summer years in college um so exciting to be here today with you guys we have jake swenson in the house a little bit more about jake in a second just a couple of announcements if you're new to the podcast and you're trying to figure out what the heck this is about our mission is to be the top alumni network for southwestern people in the world uh, especially because There are so many pockets of us that are hanging out, still keeping in touch, still doing life together, and it's just trying to connect with all those people and hopefully become a force to be reckoned with. Change the world someday, maybe donate to charities, who knows. Um, If you guys like what we're doing, if you guys appreciate what we're up to, uh, make sure you guys follow, hit that subscribe button, share this episode, uh, tell people about it. Just let other alumni who might not know about us know that we're here. And if you're someone who didn't sell books and you're like, what the heck is this? guy talking about like books just google it and then come back here because it's gonna be it's a wild ride uh, a lot of things happen when you go door to door for 80 hours a week for multiple summers and speaking of someone who went multiple summers um jake uh, swenson he is one of the more legendary jyd uh, uh bookman of the company's history uh, i remember the first time i, I saw or met jake um, it was just a one time we'll talk all about it here a little bit later when we have him on the screen because I want to tell him to his face the impact that he had um, just by giving one speech. Uh, he is currently living in Mesa, Arizona. He sold nine total summers. That's nine summers. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, with the JYD organization from 2005 to 2013, he went to school at St. John's University, originally from Staples, Minnesota. He currently is the founder, president, and head of sales of Genesis Power Solutions. His favorite Augmentino scroll is number two. I will greet this day with love in my heart, which, damn, so good. A couple of really awesome highlights that I uh, I asked Jake. Um that I wanted to share with you guys about who he is and, and what he did during his time with Southwestern is he was the number one or the number 11 all-time units sold company-wide. So out of 100,000 living people, he's in the top 15, which is pretty amazing. Uh, we've probably had an estimated of over 200,000 people who've done this over the last 168 years. So pretty not bad to be in the top 15 for that. Um, he was the number one all-time JYD uh, for units sold. He was the number one rep worldwide across the board uh, in 2010 and he was the number two in 2007 and 2012 which was my first summer uh, and the first time i remember seeing him and talking to him so super excited to have him here he went on to north star alarm and he was the number one rep in 2017. Uh, he had the company record for 81 alarms sold in a single month one single month and then in 2020 uh, the year of the pandy uh, he founded genesis And with his brother, Pete, who also sold for four summers and third partner, Adam, uh, who he met at North Star. Just so you guys know uh, and why you should be taking notes or why you should definitely turn the volume up for this one. Genesis has sold over one hundred million dollars of solar since its inception. Uh, just a little bit over three years ago, so it's pretty impressive. We're probably going to learn some stuff There's probably going to be wisdom and gold nuggets of really cool advanced sales and recruiting in here So make sure you guys take some notes if you want if you guys want to find uh, jake You can go to uh, at jake r swenson on instagram and find him there That's actually how we found him, but you can also go to that dot power dot brothers or you can go to, uh, at team Genesis, any of those three Instagram handles. There's also going to be a link for those down below in the description. So you guys can go check them out, go say hi to Jake if you want to. But when I come back, uh, after this quick word from our sponsors and our little jingle, we'll be on with Jake. So we'll see you in a bit. Thanks Andres. You guys, part
1: of the reason why I wanted to promote Southwestern real estate as a part of this podcast is because this podcast is really honest about the book experience. It has a variety of people who are on here who are talking about what really happened with them. And the truth of the matter is we all know there's some goofy stuff that happens when you're selling books. Some of it's not so great. Some of it's just absolutely life-changing. What we wanted to do is take those fundamental building blocks and grow that up into an adult version that people can really take to the next level of their maturity and their mental health. And that's how we have built Southwestern real estate is taking the best of the book field and growing it up to fit adults. Awesome. Hey guys, this is Pedro Vega with Cardinal Senior Benefits. I'm talking about leads today. Okay, Leads are are a a system for getting in front of people. So we're not just working harder. Obviously we all know how to do that, 80 hours a week, yada, yada, yada. But working smarter, you know, instead of spending 70, 80% of our time just trying to find somebody, why not invest in leads that allow you to spend 60 to 70% of time actually talking to somebody it changed everything for me changed my lifestyle and I wouldn't have it any other way so guys thank you so much for listening I hope you guys what up what's going
0: on (laughs) dude let me tell you, before we get just diving in, and I know I told you this a little bit before backstage, but I got to tell you, I promise this to the people, all two people listening, I'm just kidding, to, to our audience here. Uh, some of them might remember you, your name might ring a bell, just because in Southwestern, it's pretty unique to have somebody who has a combination of, I recruited a lot of people and I sold a lot of books. Like you had people who were legendary recruiters, you know, your Pedro Vegas, John Stewart's, uh, Zach Reisbergs, right really solid people leaders and then you had people who sold a ton of books but their teams would be like two people and barely like getting through the summer so when you found someone like yourself and like Kyle Peters that we were talking about who could do both I am always humbled because it's so hard to do both, those, be good at both of those things and then on top of that be in the top level of those things in a company that is so competitive with this so thank you for being on here I was really looking forward to this yeah um, me too I remember. Maybe we can just dive in into this in the, this little advanced sales tip uh, yeah. that I that I dropped into just for so people understand. And I told you what it was, so maybe I'll just let you explain it. But this is when I first remember, like seeing you was I was a GRS and I looked at your advanced sales talk and I was like, "This is gold!" And it had to do with recruiting. Um, I kind of rung, uh, uh, you know, I kind of tried to remind you of it, but yeah. do you remember enough to kind of talk a little bit about it?
1: Yeah, we're just talking about. Um, first of all, thanks for the awesome intro. I'm excited to be on the show. It's It's exciting. I love how when you talked about um, people who can recruit and they recruited big teams but didn't sell a lot of books, you used all the names. And then as soon as you're like, and the people who sold a lot but had crappy teams, you didn't use any names. So that was nice. (laughs) (laughs) I got that. Um, So we were just talking about expectation and the power of expectation. And when you get a new rookie you know, a lot of times, and this is true still in in my job is we ask people, what are your expectations? We're going to, we're going to go through all this training. We're going to onboard you. You're going to go to sales school. You're getting all of this training. And this is what Andres is referencing is when I'd hire a person to sell books, it's like, we're going to train you for three months. You're going to meet with me every single week. You're going to have your approach memorized. You're going to have your script memorized. You're going to go through all of this training. Then you're going to drive to Nashville. And we came from Montana. So I mean, we're talking a 40 hour drive to Nashville and on the way you're going to be reciting it and practicing it. Then you're going to have an 80 hour sales week where you're in the parking lot doing all this and all of that stuff is going on. Then we're going to drop you off in your area. What do you expect to sell your first week? And because we're still hitting on campus and it's a safe zone, people are like, man, I'll have, I'll have 10 customers my first week. All right. All right. So you have 10 customers. Let's just say, for example, you don't have 10 customers. You only have five or you only have two and they'll go, okay. I go, but now you're on your second week and you've had 80 hours of the job. You've knocked, you've shadowed, you know what the job is. What are you going to sell week two? And they would almost always say five. And I guess Andres was telling me, we did this live with a kid sitting in the room. He's like, Mm -hmm. five. I'm like, so me telling a story lowered your expectations by 50%. Like just me telling you it was a hard week destroyed your expectations by 50% the power of our mind and context and our own belief in ourselves can be shattered just by someone telling a story. What do you think the doors are going to do to you? Like that's the power of self-talk of having goals of being unconditionally committed that I say 10, I'm going to get 10. And if I don't get 10, so I was just talking about this today with some of our guys, like when you set goals, there can't be emotion about them. You've got to have emotion to hit them. But when you say, Hey, this week I'm going to go sell X, the only reason you say that number is so at the end of the week, you can measure, did I hit it or not hit it? And what do I have to do to get there? But you only change your number if something else changed. Like I said 10 and I missed it, but I also broke my leg. It's like, okay, well, maybe in that case we can lower your goal a little bit. But if it's just like, oh, it's harder than I thought. Cool. So now it's 10, but you've got a lot more work to do. Do not change your goals. Let's go.
0: That's dude. Even just that. All right. It's been a good episode. Hey, thanks for being on. Yeah, man. It's been just a blast. You guys on the next one. Good cool. to see you. <laughs> dude. Even just that mentality. Like, and and for me, I'll tell you what. It, how it impacted me. So my brother was sitting in on this, and and this is actually how I recruited him. Because I we done the. He didn't really do any of the training. He was still in high school, mm. and he, you know, I'd call him and say, "Hey, how have you practiced your sales talk?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> but he's a high school kid, you yeah. know, like, and he was graduating early, so he was seventeen, and so. Mm. I flew him to GRS, and after seeing that part, I think it, it it this right here, this point you're driving home, really shifted his expectations of what he was getting himself into. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he was like, "Oh, like you're doing? You mean like yeah. you want me to do this? Do this?" And I go, "Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah." And so he went, in, and now he's a DSM. So good oh, job, awesome, you did it. Well, um, I finally oh. I recruited I recruited a DSM. Uh, yeah, you did. You know what's funny? <laughs> I when you say your brother was in high school. <clears throat> When I am um, Peter sold before I did and I was working at my, at a hospital, I was like cooking and serving food, food for old people. And I was really good at washing dishes. He was gone that summer and he couldn't, here's what's funny is, uh, he definitely left his phone on. Cause I remember calling him and he would answer it. And then I came out Peter. and sold. Yeah. Peter. And then I came out and sold books and he's like, it's like, don't ever turn your phone on. And I this is the moment where I realized that okay. Um, but I would call him and, and he would send me pictures. And so I remember three pictures, and I don't have them or I would have sent them to you. Um, one was a basketball hoop that was ripped off, and it's because his district sales manager, Mike Lippert, was shadowing him and helping him uh, sell and dunked a, a homeowner's basketball and like ripped this dude's basketball hoop apart, and they had to go back and give him money, and he thought that was pretty funny. And then, uh, the other picture he sent me was just a pile of money. Like it was during delivery week. He's like, look at all this. It was like a pile of money. And then there was a pie in the eye picture and his recruiting of me. I don't know how you recruited your brother, but his was like, you want to come sell books? And I said, sure. I don't actually know if I knew I was knocking on doors until sales school. Like, I don't think I even really knew what the job was. I was just like, I'm in and I memorized my sales talk and, yeah,
0: yeah, that was Danny too. So Danny, when he and he and we we've told this story a couple of times, but not I guess with, with this approach to it. But he was not prepped. I mean, he again, he was in high school, and what was hard too is he. So in Nebraska, high school doesn't get out until like May thirtieth. Okay, but at that point, I'm already in the field. Like I'm already knocking. It's mm-hmm. like week two. So. I'm hoping this 17-year-old kid is even going to drive from Grand Island, Nebraska, to Nashville in one piece. <laughs> he know he'd ever even driven on an interstate. Like, all right, just get to Yvette. Just get to Yvette, and she'll take care of you from there. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, same. I mean, I think it wasn't until – Sheridan McDonald was the one that did his sales school, and I don't think he realized exactly everything he was getting into, even mm-hmm. though I told him. Even though there was multiple times where I'm like, hey, here's what's going to happen. Like, this is what I did. Yeah. I'm not going to sugarcoat it because it was almost like negative selling him. Like it sucks, right? Um, but it, it, he he'll, he'll still say, I don't know if I knew exactly exactly what yeah. was happening until you you know until I get to Nashville, and then you know he had no choice but to stay because I was doing it. Yeah, <laughs> so he can't quit because me. Like, sorry, I, you know, it's, it's your brother. Come on, you gotta get. It. But it's interesting. Did your brother ever tell you like? Does your brother ever tell you about how hard? Or I guess first, let me ask this: Are you guys close? I'm assuming you guys are pretty close. Very close. close. We work
1: together. We live together. We don't live together. We live two miles down the road from each other. Our kids go to the same school. We both have four year old twins. We go to the same church. Wait, you each have four year old twins? Yeah. So he ha- he has a uh, bro. He has a boy. He's a boy and girl twin that were born two months before our. I just do everything Peter does. That's it. That's, that's that's just all it is. I just do it slightly <laughs> better than him. That's our that's our whole life. He's uh you know he my mom had I'm him. Here. My mom had me. I was like, okay, I guess I'll be born too. He went to Staples Elementary. I followed him there. He went to St. John's. I went. He worked at the hospital. I worked at the hospital. He yeah. we went to St. John's. I went to St. John's. He sold books. I sold books. We sold arms. He had twins. I'm like, fine, F it. I'll have twins too. So that's yeah. uh, <laughs> he, he developed a personality
0: and you probably took his. That's what Danny did. Yeah. You know,
1: yeah. There's a
0: that's a joke from uh, Hassan Minaj. Okay. He goes, all the older siblings, they don't get enough credit. We went to war. We're on your behalf for mom and dad, like we we set the standards as far as like what the boundaries you can't cross. Right, you just never got in trouble because you were like, got it. Yep, I Don't knew exactly what the not to do. on fire, got yeah. it, or whatever. So he goes, but the thing is, I have a personality too. Says my little sister. Oh yeah, where do you think you got that from? <laughs> Me, the older brother. <laughs> That's so just what's up. So. so you know, yeah, I'm on Peter's side. But, All right, but it, it, so I guess the reason I was asking if you guys were close is because then it must have been hard for him. Because I remember, and I'm not a parent, so I don't yeah. know what this might be like. I'm assuming this is kind of what it was like to drop your kid off at kindergarten the first time. Mm. Um, but when you drop, I mean, he was 17. I drop him off at the house. And, you know, the older brother instinct. And we've been through life kind of crazy, you know, that we, we had to move here because we were going to get murdered. So we've, like, we've stuck together through these things. Yeah, okay. it's a long story. Okay. But uh, <laughs> we can get into that later if you want. But anyway, like... And then just dropping him off and then knowing exactly what was about to happen to him you know it's hard it was hard to drop him off uh
1: so i'm sure peter remembers that day pretty clearly too if he if he was the one that did no he's a, he put me in a different hq man i didn't even live with him
0: he didn't put you in his <laughs> own hq what an asshole
1: <laughs> dude there's a there's a i'll uh, i could give you the abbreviated <laughs> version but so when i whenever i'm we still do like uh we still work with college kids and so i'll do like a keynote speak and i'll talk about the 10 times i wanted to quit before i ever knocked on a door and i've got a whole like Here's all the crap. I used to call it my shit storm. Like that was how I described it when I was selling books. Um, so we, uh, man, there's so many different places I could go on this, but he recruited me to hire me. I tried to quit on him the day before I left. You know, he he punched me in the chest. It's like get your ass in the car. He knew exactly what it was. We got to sales school. On the way to sales school, I I ran over a tire and like ripped out my catalytic converter on my car. And so I had to ride with somebody else down there. I didn't have any of my luggage, none of my food. Like I had nothing. Uh, I get to sales school. Sales school was great. Um, but there was one, one guy who I didn't want to live with. And of course that was who I had to go live with for the summer and ended up loving him like absolute phenomenal <laughs> roommate. But I was like, he, and they sit down they're like, all right, so um, who do you want to live with? Okay. And who, who would you not want to live with? I'm pretty sure they just circle whoever that is yeah. because that was exactly what happened. I was like, what the, I'm not even living with you. Like what the frick is going on? But, um, wow. you know, he definitely, he's always been protective of me. Um, just cause he's a big brother sometimes yeah. to a fault. Um, but I'll tell you the mm-hmm. the most, the hardest thing ever My a lot, some people know this, some people don't, but my first week I didn't sell anything. I sold nothing on Monday, nothing on Tuesday, nothing on Wednesday, nothing on Thursday, Um, On Friday, I sold to a lady named Tracy who filled out the order for me, just like Roger Sype style, like filled it out. (laughs) And then uh, a pregnant lady named Rebecca at like 945, you know, get that little nighttime sale. Um, And then nothing on Saturday. And at our first Sunday meeting, we were doing our little PC and I was crying. I cried every single day for my first two summers at some point. And I was just crying with him. And I remember he looked at me and gently, genuine question he said I have to know are you actually working and I was like I was like I've never wanted to hit you I was like crying I was hard it's it's emotional still talk about it because I was like I'm working harder than anybody else I just suck like I'm just I can't figure it out I don't know why I'm too robotic I'm I did theater I was too I don't know but it was and I and I was like fine Peter I'll just do everything you tell me to do and then when I suck it's your fault and that didn't work out too well so i guess yeah, I ended up doing okay worked. i ended up doing okay now i got to give him all the credit
0: Ugh. uh see I, and i really that was the checkmate i was wanting to get to It's just so cuz my brother will never get, get,
1: never give me all the credit but uh you know indirectly you just did so oh dude peter <laughs> peter helps me so much he um you know i uh it's like he, he is definitely more of a pioneer than I am, but I'm a perfectionist way more than he is. So we're a good, that's, cool. that's why we work so well together. We're a one, two punch. He's like, Hey, we got to do this. And I'm like, cool. I'll figure out how to do it. And that's, that's always been the, the kind of one, two punch that we have. And yeah, it's cool. It's uh, I, yeah. I told him one day, I was like, man, it's gotta be a lot of pressure on you to like, know that like, he has to subconsciously know that everything he jumps into I'll jump in behind him which is a lot of pressure for a big brother yeah Yeah. you know
0: yeah and Danny and I had a relationship like that but actually until uh until Southwestern after Southwestern I kind of left and he stayed and so like now we're all kind of doing our own things but I but I can speak to that as an older brother there is some sort of like um almost the pressure is the right word but there's also another pressure of like uh just not uh, failing is hard and D- Danny and I actually kind of had a man, we'll get, we'll get deep. All right, Danny and I, Danny and I actually kind of had a bit of a falling out during our time because what happened is I had a really great first summer, you know, PC s- pace setter, blah blah blah, top ten, mm-hmm. all the cool accolades that, yay, that at the time seemed to matter more than anything else in the world. Yeah, which is why I don't blame Danny for what happened, and or how he reacted to what happened. Um, then my second summer this, did okay. Third summer way off schedule. Mm fourth summer on schedule physically, but mentally I was like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. So it was, just might as well have been the same thing. And he, it was the first time I had let him down mm. as a big brother. You know, I failed at something. And cause you know, growing up it was always like us two and you know, same thing pioneer. And then he like would follow up and like, just do better at the thing I was trying to do. Yeah. Um, which is great. I'm that's a, as a big brother, you feel proud in a, in a lot of ways for that. But, then we had a bit of falling out. And so ever since then we kind of do our own thing, but now our relationship is more like he just, I just know that what he's doing is the right thing for him. And Mm -hmm. he knows that what I'm doing is the right thing for me. And that trust is like, it's like ascension. It's like another level Mm -hmm. of like trust in like that, the other, that we have our best. And when, you know, you know, it's
1: it's nice. Here's one thing I've learned. So I've watched, uh, there was a, uh, my seventh summer. I don't remember one of those years. We had, uh, this is when I learned this lesson. So this will, maybe if your brother watches this, this will help, but, um, unless he's already passed it, but there was a girl on our team. Um, and at the end of the summer, we were getting ready to do deliveries and I got a call from Ritzer and it was like, Hey, her remittances are, they are not high enough. Like we can't ship her books. You got to talk to her. I was like, all right, let's go sit down. And I, I started asking her questions, her and her student manager. And I was like, all right, so what's um help me understand why your remittances are at like 30%? And we dug a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper. And the end of the story is she had sold like nobody the entire summer. And all of her customers were made up, all of her she delivery, everything, not just a pattern, it was all fabricated, everything. And I asked her, and I mean, we had given her recognition and all these different things. And I asked, I was like, I go, first of all, who are the people? And she's like, oh, those are all the jerks. I'm like, nice. At least you had picked some creative customer names. But I had, uh, I actually had a lot of, um, I don't know the right word. Pity is not the right word. But I, I, can you imagine spending an entire summer knowing you're lying? Like the amount of pressure that you feel or somebody not quitting because they don't want to let you down, like to do what you did and have a couple of off schedule summers, but not quit and not throw in the towel. And like the pain that you were probably going through for 12 or 13 weeks. That's a lot of pain. It's a hell of a lot harder to do it, to, to stay out there doing a job you hate, but also not quitting That's hard. And then to live with that and to know the culture of Southwestern and what are people going to think of me and I can never say it and I can never tell, that's a really hard place to be in. And, and look, we're all like, you're what, 21 years old and that happened? Yeah. Like how much do you know about the world at that point? We just know <laughs> I'm in this microcosm called Southwestern where I can't quit anything and I'll never go anywhere. And. And what would be the right thing to do? To talk to somebody, to get coaching, to do all that. But that's like, there's the right thing. There's what we could have done. There's what we should have done, but then there's what we did. And we can't go back and change what we did. We can learn from it. And hopefully the people who are looking at it from the outside can recreate what we were in. I mean, I can only imagine with your younger brother, because he was, was he doing pretty well? Yeah. Like you're being outperformed by your younger brother. So you're not going to quit because you you know how that would affect him. You're not going to leave because you know the impact that's going to have on him. You're not going to puke all over him because you can't puke down. You got to puke up. So like you're just I, I I feel for you, man. I feel where you are at. And and being yeah. a younger brother, I also know what it's like to have a big brother that lets you down and to hold on to that for a little while. So it's yeah, there's a lot there, man.
0: There's so much there. And it, and it was interesting because you know, some of it was all, everything you just said. Like, I would say a good half of it was that, at least that. And it's hard to say now, right? The other half is all I just needed distance from home. My mm-hmm. parents had just gotten divorced after 22 years of marriage. And the whole story of us moving here because of this, you know, threat on our lives. And yeah. we went through all this crazy shit to just even make it to this point. <laughs> we became citizens. And then they get divorced. So there was like, I think when you, the, the, the word that struck the most, what you said, there was a lot of pain. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the pain that it, I'm not alone in that. There's a lot of pain that people feel, um, when they know that they're doing the wrong thing, mm-hmm. and but they have almost they almost have to do the wrong thing because the right thing isn't gonna be any less painful. So you're like, why would I switch over? <laughs> like, why would I go do that? You gotta choose Choose your choose your hard, right? Choose your yeah. Choose your hard. And at the end, I mean, at the end of the, it ended up being what I needed, right? So then I left and then here we are. Because it's, it's, you know, it's, I say I got the full Southwestern experience. Yeah. Right. Because I was, I know what a summer is like when you're just on and it works. And I know what it's like when you're not. And that's mm-hmm. the full experience. I pity those actually that never got off schedule. Cause that's me. Like, you don't even know. Are you pitying oh, me? All right. Yeah. Oh, I pity <laughs> you. Hard. You yeah. know why? Because you don't know what it's like to go to a movie. Oh at a foreign movie theater at like two in the afternoon on a Tuesday in July <laughs> <laughs> that I'm so sad. That's the only part. Hey, I did that I'm when I, I did that, that when
1: I sold alarms, I saw transformer and I immediately called my brother afterwards. I'm like, dude, I am so sorry. I did the thing just cause I knew that it was a thing. This is, so this would have been the equivalent of like summer number 11 for me, like way on. And I'm like, this sucks. I got to go to a movie just to, that just sucks. To feel again. Oh, and it was it transformers
0: is nice. it was a shitty movie anyways it is but that's the sad part that's yeah. the only part i pity No, but on a serious note like you know it it there is something to be said about just having that experience as well because i needed that in my life yeah. at that moment it was the worst thing for me but at the same time because it was it was the hardest way thing for me but it was the best thing because it just yeah. gave me a ton of perspective later on but anyway okay so that was a great start look at that 20 minutes in it's just solid yeah, man. um let me jump into some questions uh let's just continue the thread of Southwestern first and then we'll jump into kind of chronologically where you left and what sure. you're up to now. Sure. Um so that's how you got recruited. That's how your first summer went. Now, I guess the 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 first question that comes to mind, just so we can kind of get a, a like a thirty thousand foot view of your experience and maybe we can dig in. But you go from you sold nothing your first week and your brother's questioning your integrity. Yeah. I mean, to... I said, hold on. I sold 14 units my first week. So oh, sorry, just, sorry. You made, <laughs> you made, in 2023, after inflation, you made 80, roughly 80 bucks. It was bad. It was not good. 100, $102. Yeah. So, you go from that to then, at some point, you become the number one person in the world that did that program, that did that yeah. job for that amount of time, right? What, what state were you in when you did that?
1: Uh, sixth been...
0: summer was Pennsylvania.
1: Pennsylvania
0: in yeah. Butler, Pennsylvania, Butler which, PA. That was this as Dave, uh, who was it? Dave Rosen or who said that? Like the number one person that sells, this is the smartest community. Oh, in the country that year. Oh yeah. I can prove it because you're talking to, the, <laughs> this is the most well-educated yeah. part of the country, county in the whole country. Um, but on a serious, so you go from zero or 14 units to this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you kind of walk me through the trajectory of, of that growth? And then we can dig into the specifics in the summer, but like generally, how how did you ascend to that?
1: Yeah, I'll go 30, as 30,000 as I can. So, uh, first summer, I think nowadays some guys are selling some big units again, but it was a 3,700 units my first summer. So nothing crazy, but that was, um, I finished strong. Let's put it that way. Uh, my second summer upstate New York, um, yeah, man, lived in Dunkirk, Dunkirk, New York, uh, God's country. Uh, that was 7,200 units. That was a fun summer. And then my third summer was actually my biggest units is 1,200, 12,000 and some. And um, that was a uh, hit more like seven times. And that was a, there's, I've got some stories from that summer. That was a good time. Yeah. Uh, but that was all me. It was just me. My third summer, I recruited a buddy from college. She was the number two rookie Dylan Valentine. sold one summer, but cool, dude. Fourth summer, recruited a big team. Everyone quit except for one person, uh, Jacelyn Tobble. She ended up working with us for like six years. Um, my fifth summer, I moved to Montana and I recruited six six people. They all finished the summer, and uh, one of them, I'm, I'm good friends with all Christy Rivers, married to AJ Skalski. Yeah. Like Christy was on that team. Um, Jamin Daly, who works for Tony Robbins now, he was on that team. Like we had some some studs in that organization. Um, that was when I learned how to actually lead a team. That was my fifth summer. And then my sixth summer, uh, Butler, Pennsylvania. uh, I had, I had just done the landmark forum in the spring. And if you're not familiar with that landmark forum, it's a, it is a four day seminar that helps you uh, overcome and confront things that have been holding you back in life. How's that? So I did landmark and, uh, I got very clear that helping other people and not having an inward focus all the time and actually caring about other people and not being so selfish, frankly, um, is is what life is all about. And I got clear that I could choose my emotions. Um, I read, you said the favorite scroll for most people is the, um, I'll be master of my emotions. That comes up a lot. I read that every single day for nine summers, every single morning. That was my... That was what I read. The scroll mark two was the verse that we had read at our wedding. So I married a book girl, uh, McKenzie, who I met, uh, my seventh summer. So our, we didn't have a Bible verse. We had the scroll mark Two read at our wedding. And I had six bookmen standing (laughs) next to me and I married a book girl. It's fun. Uh, so, so cool. But my sixth summer, it was, it was adversity filled. You know, they say that, that the, The two times that I was number one in alarms and in books, both of those summers contained my worst sales week since my first summer in both industries. So during my sixth summer, my start was the worst start I'd had of any summer since then. I was so focused on everybody else. I was so like, my habits were awesome. I was selling hard. I was doing everything I could. I was in this Cranberry Township. Can't sell past 6 p.m. It was the weirdest little... Uh, Virgie had sold a crap ton of books there, so she's like, "You're gonna love cranberry," and I hated cranberry and um, <laughs> terrible aftertaste. <laughs> just hated it. All right, there we go. Uh, but I ended up, uh, you know, driving north, and it was really a summer of living, living and working to serve other people. It was the first summer that I would say I was fully focused on service, my team, the the customers that I had. I was having more fun than I'd ever had in the job before. My roommates were awesome. My HQ was awesome. I loved all the people that I, I was encountering. It was just, and it, I always say this, it's not, um, I didn't sell a lot of, I didn't have fun and get fulfillment because I sold a lot of books. I sold a lot of books because I was having fun and feeling fulfilled. Like that, That's the way that it works. And so I was just in a world of fulfillment and fun and grace and service and every single doorstep. I remember telling myself like I am cool, calm, and confident. I'm about to meet the coolest person I've ever met. And I was consistent with that all summer long. So that would be what happened.
0: That was a true. Okay. And we can get into the weeds of this too. Cause
1: um, I love, you know, we, we, we don't judge on units here, although yeah. you are your units. I'm such way. a dude. I'm such a unit head. I was, I was just teaching self-talk to the, the guys I work <laughs> with. Like my best self-talk was when I started counting units and they had no idea what I was talking about. I was like, I just start yelling random numbers in my car, like 1745, 232, 406. Cause I would count them in my head and then it would mess with me. So I'd always have like some kid shadowing me and they're like, what is this? weirdo? <laughs> Yeah, dude. I know. I know my best day in units. I know my best. Like, I know all of that. It just won't go away. Good. Won't go away. Good. Good. That's that. I mean, I I remember all those things, but I can't imagine what
0: it's like to remember all those big ones. You must have had so many of those big ones. Uh, A couple. But when you were doing this, so okay. Again, we don't care about units. However, it it does say something about your ability to learn and grow. Yeah. In some way. So when we do have someone on here who went, who kind of has your trajectory of zero to boom, like we had Dave Brown on here. Yeah. I, I, you know, um, you, let's just talk about how how you were able to do that. Because there's also another aspect to it, which is you were recruiting a lot. And yeah. And I want to get into that as well. But from the production standpoint, you know, everybody's like, everybody's goal who were, was in the top 10 worldwide that summer was I was going to be number one. Yeah. But why was it you? Like, and if you ask them all, it's like, oh, I knew I was going to do it. But it's like, okay, only one of you had to be right, you know? So, yeah. like, for you, what changed? What really happened to, like, like when did it click that that was going to happen or that you could do that?
1: I, I don't actually recall ever writing down anywhere that I was going to be the top rep in the company. That's interesting. I don't believe I ever actually wrote that down anywhere. I wrote down my unit goals because I'm not in control of what everybody else is doing. I'm just in control of what I'm doing. And if I happen to be doing better than everybody else, then I will win. I mean, when I'm, uh, I I go dark, I go dark, I go blind. Um, at Southwestern, it was great because you never knew what anybody else was selling. So I could just focus on what I was doing in alarms we knew like there was a digital dashboard, the whole thing. And I could just see what was happening. The year I finished uh, number one in that company with a month ago, I, I blocked a whole bunch of phone numbers. I coached Peter. I was like, Hey, I don't want to hear a single number. I unloaded the app off my phone. I didn't check a single stat. Like I went dark for a month and it worked out pretty well for me. I'm, I'm very competitive, but I, I'm not competitive because I don't, I like smack talk, but I don't like hearing smack talk. So doesn't, I'm kind of weird like that. Uh, as simple as it sounds, it was always just goal periods. It was always like, I can't do this all year. I cannot do this for the rest of the summer. I don't even know if I can freaking do this the rest of the week, but I can do it for another hour and a half. And that's Ooh. what I'm going to do. And that was probably my most common self-talk. Like, dude, I cannot do this another summer. I cannot, I can't, I, I don't even know if I can finish this summer. I don't even know if I can finish the week, but I can do it for 90 minutes. And there was, you know, my, my last two or three summers, I probably called my mom or Peter every morning and just said like, I don't want to, Oh, it's really hard. And there's a lot of other things I wish I was doing right now, but I'm here and I'm going to do this because I said I would do it.
0: You know, uh, I'm going to bring this up against for people who are regular listeners to this. Yeah. I'm sorry. But you just said something that had, uh, I think where I just, it just clicked for me what, what you just said. Well, there's a couple things. One, you remind me of Shane Hertig, so hmm. like Dave Brown, and then we had Dave Rosen on here as well too. Like some of the, the other guys have hit big numbers, and gals that have hit Yvette, and everybody's had a different answer to that. Yeah, like or like or at least nobody's had the same answer. Like uh, Dave uh, Dave Brown said, it was, he was it was thinking big, whereas. Uh, Yvette and and uh, Dave Rosen kind of said they were more prepared. You were more like Shane Hertig, where it was like I didn't even know it was number one mm-hmm. until we
1: got to check out. I mean, I'll be and honest. I knew I was number one, and there's kind of a funny right. story about that that uh, I'd probably have to use the word "mort" a few times to tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I guess I guess more for what you, said is it is. It wasn't like your target. No, like it wasn't like you didn't you didn't sit down at one point at GRS or something and go, "All right, I'm gonna be the number one." It was mm-hmm. more like I'm gonna do this number, and if that happens to be number one, cool yeah and if not which is a different approach but the, the what i find so fascinating about that is I, or what i'm hearing more clearly from this is eric uh plantenberg was on the show once and uh, he, one of the things he said that was really profound was uh i don't want to give advice to anybody because it probably won't work for most people mm. not because it's like i'm so cool but because where i was and who i was at that time that year at that place is a whole different person than most people listening. So Mm -hmm. the advice I give might actually hurt or not even help at all. And so this is what I did. But what you said was really interesting. I think it had more to do with your self-talk. Because the training I gave Danny, the only training I ever take credit for really giving Danny uh, that was good, was about self-talk. I told him, I was like, listen, at sales school, you're going to hear people say shit like, Liquid sunshine for when it rains, or <laughs> I'm the best. Yeah. Or and the deal is, you're not emotionally intelligent enough to be able to handle the lie that you're going to be telling yourself. Oh, yeah. So don't say, I'm having a like great that. day.
1: No, you're yeah. not. Like, no, you're not.
0: Yeah. You're not. And the physical reality of your life and the irrationality of the book field is going to make the other voice believe, Mr. M, if mm-hmm. you want to call it that believe that you're not that you're lying and so that self-talk is worthless yeah what you want to say is the truth which is kind of what you were saying so i told danny like if it rains don't say it's you know, liquid sunshine or when it rains nicer. it pours
1: It opens doors no it doesn't yeah, nobody it doesn't, answers the no. door and it sucks no <laughs> nobody wants door. you're wet nobody wants to go yeah. inside their couch yeah
0: so so here's how about this how about so you say hey look we're selling physical paper books in the rain, yeah, which is probably the worst product you can have to display. It sucks to be wet, and it sucks to be cold, and it sucks to be cold and wet with wet sample books. Mm-hmm. All of that sucks. And I mean, immediately hearing that, you're like, that's puking!" Okay. Like, oh my God. But but that's the truth. Because it's, it's yeah. objectively, it sucks. So good. I told him, instead, you'll say all of that out loud. And then after that, you'll follow up, and you'll say, but I am a man of my word. Mm -hmm. i am a tough son of a bitch and you know what it doesn't matter what is going on outside because i said i was going to do this and i'm a man of my word
1: so i'm going to go knock him
0: and how much more powerful is that because you believe it
1: yeah that's so when i talk about supreme self talk like the ultimate superpower it's i call it self-conversation and it's what you just said it's contextualizing what's going on yeah Um, the only change i make is I don't know if you can see the tattoo on my wrist there. And it's a little and sign is instead of using the word, but I use and, um, because, but deletes everything in front of it. True. And, but takes two completely separate things and makes them one thing. That's a problem. I want to sell a crap ton of books, but it's raining outside. Now that's a problem. Or I want to sell a crap ton of books and it's raining outside. Now you have two separate things. They're totally completely separate. So yeah. my self talk was always like, "It's hot, it sucks, I don't want to be here." I, I like, I want to burn down half the houses that I just went to because everybody's a jerk and this town sucks. And I'm going to do it anyways because that's what I said I was going to do, and I'm not a quitter.
0: Boom. I mean, that's just so much more right powerful. Back and it. a couple of things happen. One, you believe every single part of that. Oh yeah. You started with the things that were the most apparently, mm-hmm. you know, most apparent to you. So then everything else must make sense logically. And it grounds you presently, like it puts oh, right. you in the present because you're not thinking of the last door at that point. You're thinking of what's happening now and you're not mm-hmm. thinking of the future because you're thinking about what's happening now. So you're okay. like, take in inventory. I, yeah. It sucks now. It's hot now, but I am awesome now. And I'm awesome now. And, and, and I'm awesome there now. There you go. So what do you, you know, it's the same idea the, the my brother and I were rock climbing one time and he didn't like it. He okay. Goes, I don't like this. We're not supposed to like humans weren't made to climb. <laughs> like what the heck? And I said, I know. Humans weren't made to climb, but mountains were made to be climbed. So I guess it's your choice. And he just goes, got it. And then that's awesome. I go, dude, that's the same thing with this. He's starting to become a DSM But this man goes, that's the same thing with the summer. Yeah. Like, nobody's supposed to go door to door, but doors were meant to be knocked on.
1: I, uh, so you choose, you know, it's, uh, this is a little tangent. I don't, we'll just keep going, but, uh, yeah,
0: dude, roll, roll with it.
1: So I was, uh, there's always, I, I, so I've knocked on 120,000 doors at this point in my career. So I've been, I've been around almost 20 years. Yeah. And the reason I keep coming back is it's kind of like the doors are the gym and you could take anybody. So, you know, if you and I walked into the gym, there's a gym across the street from our office here. If we walked into the gym, we didn't touch any of the equipment. We didn't touch any of it. We just like, we didn't change anything. We just went over and started using it. There's going to be some equipment that's really easy and some equipment that's really hard. And there's some equipment we don't even know what it does, but we could, if we were actively seeking out a workout, we could find a workout and we could build muscle. And if we went back the next day, some of the things that were easy yesterday are hard today. And some of the things that were hard yesterday are easier today because all the weights have been changed follow because there were people in there, but I could go into the gym every single day. And if I was actively trying to build muscle I don't even have to change any of the weights so I could find a way to do it that's the same way the doors are you go out on the doors mm-hmm. if you're actively looking to increase your communication skills your organization your persistent your ability to to motivate yourself your respect your perspective your all these different things like it's there for you it's there every single day if you went to the gym every single day eventually you get ripped or you stop going to the gym if you keep knocking on doors and going in sales eventually you become freaking awesome or you you yeah. you quit because you stopped doing the equipment. You stop using it and then and like what's the point of going to the gym if you're not gonna use the yeah. equipment? Exactly. Yeah. And on
0: top of that, it, it it's not the only place that you can learn to be awesome. I hundred percent agree takes, with that. Yeah. It just takes it takes it's it, it probably takes the same amount of time. It's probably something more along the lines of like by the time that you've had, I don't know. 10,000 conversations with 10,000 different people, Yeah, you have generally become aware of social cues or communication skills Completely that are agree. above par, above yep. par, right? Cool. Or below par, I guess, depending on <laughs> how you want to score. But anyway, above average. Yeah. So the question then becomes, how quickly can I go see those 10,000 people? Well, when yep. you go door to door, pretty quickly. It's you can do quick. that in a, in a few months if you really busted it, right? Yeah. So it's just to get to that benchmark. And it's... that and. The beautiful part about the book field is generally speaking, like 99%, it's the great equalizer, right? Oh, yeah. Because there's people that sold a lot of books that were tall, that were short, that were skinny, that were fat, that were brown, that were yep. white, that were men, that were women. Like it, 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 it doesn't discriminate in a lot of ways. I'm sure there's stuff, whatever. I don't mean to I got overgeneralize, you. but you know, overall, like, like you said, anybody could figure it out because it's just about doing the damn thing. Yep. And most people just don't reach that's it that's all right golden. now we can end the episode all right everybody see no, dude that this is that's, that's awesome i i love I, i'm relating a lot to the to the mentality maybe this is why i connected so much with that advanced sales because i was like this guy sees it the way i see it but you're saying it the way i can't say it so oh. like I, I appreciate that yeah um with 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 this one more thing about the growth and then we can kind of dissect the summers is on the recruiting side of things mm-hmm. when you were when you come back did you have the same trajectory as far as like my first, you know, my second time I brought one person and then eventually a big team or were you Mm. always naturally like Mm. a good recruiter or how how did that side of it go?
1: No, I was not a good recruiter. I, so I'm actually, I went to school for theater and math and would never have seen myself in sales. Uh, I got, I got tricked in. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I was in show choir and minored in math and majored in economics. That's right. I I got your brain, bro. I got you.
1: Uh, and, I, I, and people would be it. shocked to know this. I'm actually, I, I, I've tried very hard on all of these, like, are you an introvert or an extrovert tests? I'm not an intro, I'm not an extrovert. I'm actually an introvert at heart who's just learned how to perform and turn it on. And like, it's weird. I would love to that's just true. sit in a room and read a book and that's kind of like, that fires me up. Um, unless I'm on stage performing, cause that also fires me up, but it's also very lonely to be on stage, right? Like when you're in front of the room, you're not actually with all those people you're by yourself. Um, yeah. Anyways, I feel you. First time I tried recruiting, uh, I tried recruiting my friend Dylan and he said, no way, Jose. And that was it. I kind of gave up on recruiting. My second summer, I didn't recruit anybody. Uh, Then after my second summer, I made like 35,000 bucks and I went to, uh, I studied abroad and I saw Dylan, same guy, at a bus stop in England because I was going to go visit him. So we're like at a bus stop in England. Hadn't seen him in four months. And he goes, so how'd you do this summer? Just like Dan says. And I was like, 35 grand. He goes, damn it. All right. I'll sell next summer. So that was my first recruit. And he outsold me (laughs) and sold 5,000 units his first summer, like stud on a bike, just wild. Um, And then my fourth summer, I recruited five people. Everyone quit except for one. Sixth summer, I recruited Seven people, one quit. Caleb Harrington. I cried my ass off in the car. That's the only time I've ever turned my phone on in nine summers during the day. Sorry, there's two times I did it. One, I was having an allergic reaction, and I called. Uh, I called um, Annette McRae, and she said, "Oh, baby, you got to go to the doctor." I'm like, "All right, I'll go to the doctor." Um, I didn't even call Tim. I just called Annette, and then the other one was that I called uh, my friend Sean Arthur, and I call. I was. Bawling, my eyes out. I was like, "Dude, this sucks." I this Caleb kid, like I worked all hard. I I worked with him all spring, and I wanted him to come to sell. And I know why he's here, and he didn't come up with a lot of money, and he's here. And I go, the worst part is he was standing outside my car. Like I can picture this parking lot. It was raining. There was mud everywhere, and he's standing outside the car. I said, "Caleb, get in the car." He's like, "I can't get in your car." I was like, "Get in my car." He's like, "I can't get in your car, Jake, because if I get in your car, I'm gonna stay." And I really don't want to stay. And I was like, get in the car. He's like, didn't get in the car. He drove off and I was like, "Mm." and I called Sean. I'm like, dude, he, I shouldn't be, first of all, I shouldn't be calling you. Second of all, I am so mad. And I just like bawled and talked to him and and Sean, he goes, Jake, I got to tell you, man, this is the first time I've ever heard you care about somebody else more than yourself. I was like, oh, he goes, you're going to be a great leader. I'm like, well, I just called you during the day. I'm going to fail at life. I shouldn't turn my phone on. And uh, he's like, just go back to work, man. So, so that that was my summer where I learned to to really. That was summer number five. I learned to care about people. There was a day I, I called Tim on my call schedule at three in the afternoon, and I'm like, dude, I don't feel like working. And he goes, your feelings get back to work, you're leading people now. Sometimes you just have to work even if you don't want to. And that was a tough lesson to learn. And so then my sixth summer, coming into my sixth summer, I had all of these lessons in leadership and I was like, I, I had, you know, I'd done landmark and I learned you got to care more about people than you care about yourself. And so I was so invested in learning about people. That summer, um, was that? No, it was summer number eight that that happened. Nope. Summer number six. Yeah. Summer number six. I had one person go home. I had 13 person team. I only had one person go home and, uh, you know, it was a decision her parents and I made together to have her go home. Um, but that was a, that was a pretty incredible summer in Pennsylvania. Um, my seventh summer had my biggest organization, but I was a totally self-entitled piece of crap. And at the end of that summer, they all quit. And before my eighth summer, I basically had to completely rebuild again. I had four, maybe five student managers that were still with me instead of the 13 to 15 that I thought I'd had. So when you met me, it was after building something, self-destructing it, and then building it again. And um, hmm. You gotta have that. You gotta have the setbacks to. Yeah, who's someone said you gotta have setbacks? Well, oh, it's Joel Olstein, right? Setbacks are set ups for a comeback. I'm like, okay, thank you, Joel. There you go. There you Ooh,
0: go. That's good. Write that down.
1: But that is um, that's good. at any rate, that's what happened. And then, so it's been a it's been a, a learning process and leadership for me and and people for me has always been the harder part of the job. It's easier for me to be alone selling stuff and looking at numbers than it is to take the time to listen and actually invest into other people.
0: Hmm. Oh, I was going to ask you, like, what, what do you think came easier for you? But it sounds like it was the sales. Oh, sales is way easier for me.
1: Sales and like sales coaching, way easier for me. Um, yeah, I, you know, that's like, you're, we're always learning. We're always growing. That's one of the things I'm, I'm currently very... I'm developing within myself is, is um, when I'm with people being with them and not letting my brain be in 950 different places at once.
0: Yeah. It's tough. That's tough to do. Yeah. I've learned that, that that's hard to do doing this because you're
1: like, okay. (laughs) You're thinking about the next question. What are you going to, what are you going to ask? What are you going to say? Or, or not that? Yeah.
0: Well, kind of. I mean, I think the only thing that makes me good at this is that I'm naturally curious. Okay. And so, like, the questions come because I, I'm actually just asking. And I think mm-hmm. because I don't do pre approach, it's like it helps that. That's why it helps really a lot. Yeah. But it it's more the emotional drainage from because what like what'll happen is like I remember one the most episodes I've recorded in one week so far. I think it was like I think I did ten or wow. something like that, ten or eleven. But, in a lot of ways. Like, because you, you know, and people would tell some heavy, impactful stories about discoveries about themselves or life or failures and overcoming, yeah. you know, and overall it was good because they're, they are there now, but hearing those over and over and then you get down to like the 11th or 10th one and you're like, you're going into the last one, like, you just feel numb. You're like, it's kind of like doing a bunch of PCs. I'm not saying that oh. these episodes are PCs, oh, yeah. but, but do you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, oh, yeah. it's by the time, by like on Sunday meetings, you, the, you were tired, not physically. You just mentally exhausted. Every yeah. Person in the, you know, it's, it's same vibe. Um, So I, but it is hard. Like you're saying, yeah. like, it's hard to just really be like, all right, I'm hungry. I'm tired, but I need to like give this person everything. Cause it could be the difference between, you know, success and failure for them. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard. I, I get that man. yeah. Do you, do you, enjoy one over the other even though you're better at sales do you think you enjoy the other one better or do you enjoy still selling more than recruiting
1: um well i'm gonna i'm gonna say those two things are the same thing so selling and recruiting are the same thing i enjoy both of those very much uh and i also enjoy creating relationships and diving in and learning about my people i'm just not as good at it and it's more Mm. painful for me because i'm like I mess it up sometimes. I still mess that up like like, like what? Ah, it's, conf- it's it's always confrontation. It's like I have a very blunt way of saying things and sometimes I just if I have someone who's not the same personality type as me and I just like, well, why don't you just do this? And then they get they get mad at me. I'm like, "Well, screw them. I don't want fine. Screw you. I don't want to work with you." But that's not you're not going to build a company and an empire if you just have that attitude. Like my attitude has to be screw me for not having the patience to, to read, to understand who they are and how they process information and to follow the platinum rule, which is to treat people the the way that they want to be treated, not just the way I want to be treated, but, you know, understanding who they are, what their coaching style is. And, and then it becomes fun. Frankly, once you learn this stuff, it's all fun. I've just, I not put as much time into that piece as I did learning how to sell and recruit and right. play the numbers
0: and to be honest with you there's probably it, it's probably a less replicable art form i mean it is sales but it's a mm-hmm. different kind of sale like because one of them is you're going to sell solar system uh, solar or, or yep. books to someone and and yeah you'll keep up with them but generally speaking it's like you got your solar panels i yep. got paid see ya but like recruiting is like a marriage more like it's oh like yeah until till till one of you Death or two of you part or you know whatever, but like you're either gonna yeah, you're gonna work with
1: to me forever or you're gonna quit. Those are the only two yeah. outcomes. So, yeah. probably or the second like,
0: one, or like you know the the company or like we decide to sell the company and just like we just leave. Yeah, you know? but yeah, like, yeah. You, but 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 that's less likely.
1: So yeah, it's one of those. Like, and, and so I'm like, not even saying quit as a bad thing. I'm like you're either gonna be here forever or you won't, and yeah, probably you won't. So. I just want you yeah, to look statistically back. speaking. Yeah. They're not, they're I just gonna... want you to look back and say that was the inflection point. That was the pivot point of my career, what I learned, what I got, what who I became, like just like Southwestern did for us. Like that's that's yeah. still our goal, is that people look back and say, Man, I loved working at Genesis because my life was headed this way and now it's headed this way. And that is freaking awesome.
0: This uh, we're going on a tangent, so I'm sure we'll go back to Southwestern stuff, but since yeah. we're here, so let me talk to you about Genesis. So sure. A couple of questions on this that I found just really impressive, or, or found really curious, is one. I mean, we got to talk about your track record since twenty twenty, and your. Ex- I mean, that's pretty huge growth. So, <laughs> yeah. can you shed some light on, on on some of the like the secrets behind that, or some of the things that you guys are catching yourself doing right to enable that? Yeah. Um, excuse me. Oh, dude, it's all got
1: right. That's great, yon. Pound yawn. another one yawn. of these Celsius. Uh, yeah, dude. So we, the, the, I believe the deck was stacked a little bit for us um, when we got into solar, because it was Peter and I, and we've been recruiting and working together for a very long time. We've been, you know, he and I had been teammates for seven years in the alarm industry. We would sold books together. We've been best friends since we were toddlers. So and we both had the framework of Southwestern. We both believed that you, you you sell people on a vision and then you help them to better themselves. You create goals. So like the foundation of, of what we've been doing, we'd already been doing for 20 years or for 17 years, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like we were both working at Papa John's and decided to start a solar company. That'd be a very impressive story. We were already in the business of recruiting and knocking and selling. We just changed the product and there's a book by Keith Cunningham called the road less stupid. And we read that right away when we started the company and it talks about paying the dumb tax. And I bring that up because we paid up, we have paid a lot of dumb tax in the last three years, like a lot of dumb tax where if we go back and we're like, let's jump in a time machine we're the only people in the world that we'd go back to COVID. <laughs> like let's go back to the summer of 2020. Cause there's some things we would have told ourselves um, in August. Like, Hey, this is how you should structure the organization. Here's the pay scale that you should use. Here's the, the markets you should get into and the markets you should avoid. So we've learned a lot of things along the way. Um, but one, one of the metrics that we look at, cause we're, we're very like numbers oriented and I've got assigned Billy bean baseball in my office. Like I'm very, into that world, Um, we look at at key, our net key people month over month. And as long as we're increasing our net key people, we're doing great. So sometimes we have big months, sometimes we have small months, sometimes we have great weeks, sometimes we have down weeks, but if our leadership team of people who are bought into the mission and here for the long haul, if that's increasing, we're going to be fine. And that has that has increased month over month uh, consistently since day one. And so that has it has been a focus on when you have the right people with the right um, the right mentality. You can build something great, and I think a lot of companies. Hmm. Sorry, we've also focused very early on with our core values, and I think there's a lot of companies that have core values just so they can have a sticker on the wall. Yeah. And we that's just like, we've embodied the core values. Like this is who we are. We are going to be a, a black hole in, in the good way. Like we're going to have culture and beliefs and we're not going to shy away from what we believe in. And if you love that, you're going to get sucked in and not want to go anywhere else. Mm. But if you don't, you're going to want to stay the hell away from us. How did you determine those? I mean, if you can share what they are, if, yeah. if that, if you're, I don't know if that's absolutely. Turtle, but, so, but, but how did you uh, just come upon them? Uh, Offsites. Sit down in a room with some peyote and figure it out. We don't, we didn't do the peyote part, but we, it was a long discussion. <laughs> God actually told us all three of these. Uh, in, saw him. so there we were in color. Peru, right? We never have seen a color this beautiful. Jimmy Powers brought us, or Jeffrey, or whoever, whichever one of them brought us. Uh, <laughs> oh, we love you, Jeff. That's funny. Oh, but- so we, uh, I sold with all of the powers, by the way, I sold, uh, my first summer, uh, Franny was the first student manager. I watched cry on the book field and she was so mad. She's like, I'm not supposed to cry in the car. You're not supposed to see this. <laughs> I'm like, this is exactly what I need to see. Cause I cry every day. This is great. Um, and then there was Henry Powers, who was her cousin who sold with us that summer. And then two years later, Mary Ellen started. And then, then Jeffrey. And there's just like, and there's Jimmy in there as well. Jimmy was one of my students. I I, also, I love the Powers. What a family. What a, like, family. What a family. Just a A Powerhouse.
0: I'm glad that you said that. Oh, that's, but... <laughs> he would introduce Mary Ellen. He would introduce, i like get backs. Oh. He'd be like, Mary Ellen would have a, Jeff would be on stage. And then Mary Ellen would be up next. And he goes, And now next up, we have the hottest piece of ass in this entire company, my <laughs> sister, Mellyanne
1: Powers. Dude, it's weird weirdos man um so crazy anyway, right. okay sorry no. um, so our core values so Cultures, we came yeah. up with um you know what are they and they can't just your core values can't just be a saying they have to be their true core values if you make decisions at your company based on them mm-hmm. easy as yeah. that so core value number one extreme ownership and that's jocko Willink. that's like great book every, everything is your fault and you know, and I think done the wrong way, extreme ownership. Um, if people are explained, I'm going to take extreme ownership. Sometimes they will let you take extreme ownership. So they don't have to. Mm -hmm. So you have to explain it like, no, 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 no. That's not the way it works. Like the way extreme ownership works is we all find where we were responsible for the outcome, not just one person. Now, if you guys aren't going to practice it, sure. It'll be one person. Did you watch the show succession? Have you seen that? Yeah. Did you watch the whole thing? I got, I'm like four episodes from the final. Okay. I don't think I'm going to, I don't think I'm going to ruin anything, but there's a. Honestly, at this point, dude, you have to watch it. It's just a little bow on the top. It's so good. Um,
0: All right. Okay. I believe
1: you. So, but there's a scene where, where Kendall is talking to um, Roman and Roman like messed something up. And this is, this was like, I was like, this is extreme ownership. It was extreme ownership and confrontation. Kendall says to him, he's like, yeah, you effed it. Like you totally effed it and it's my fault for putting you in that position. And then, and then Roman goes, yeah, you're right. I effed." like they were both taking ownership and also recognizing that he did mess up and they both had fault in it. It was really cool. I was like, that's cool. Yeah. So extreme ownership. Uh, number two is contribution and we're going to contribute to our customers and we're going to contribute to uh, all of our employees. And sometimes that means we take a phone call from a competitor who had a system installed on their house and it's not working and they somehow called us by accident and we spend 45 minutes fixing it and it's not even our customer, right? That's, we're going to contribute to them any way that we can. When we have people on the team who, uh, you know, we want, like this is, we want them to leave looking back saying, Genesis made a contribution on my life. And for our customers, whether or not they buy from us, they're going to remember us. And it's our name on the billboard and we're right in our own community and we see these people at church and we want to make sure that they're left with a smile, they're left in the good mood. That's contribution. And then our third one is sustainability. Easy buzzword for solar, but it really just means let's create a business that we can be in long term let's do it. There is no gray area. There's black and there's white. There's legal. There's illegal. There's ethical. There's unethical. And we are going to fall on the right side of that line everywhere because that's how we can do this for a long time. If we're doing it in a way that I don't want to be able to sleep at night, that's not a sustainable business. If we're doing it in a way where it's pedal to the metal, 800 hours a week, both of our wives hate us like that, that's not going to work either. So we've had to you know, what are the positions and what are the hours and how do you work? And you can work hard for a season, but not all the time. Dave Brown, double time, time, part-time, full-time, free time. Like as long as there's balance, you can have sustainability. And so all of those pieces work together. And then we've got our performance, uh, core values as well. And that's, that's a different thing, but that's relentlessness, uh, professionalism and, uh, uh, Oh, why can't I think of the word? It's oppressively constant. Um, oppressively constant? Yeah, when you're oppressively constant. Why can't I think constant. of
0: the word? I, I got to Google this now.
1: This is such a cool
0: definition. Oppressively. I love that.
1: Oppressively. Tell me what the word is. Now I, can, now I look like a fool because I can't even think of my no, own no, no performance no, no metric. No, you
0: is You're doing great.
1: Let's see. I'll send an oppressively constant. Uh, I just look up definition. Professionalism. Oh, exceptionalism. Exceptional. Except, professionalism, exceptionalism, and relentlessness. Ooh, that's good. And that that's, Damn, that's, that's so cool. That's how we do the job. Core values, who is the company? How do we do the job with professionalism? Professionals perform whether they feel like it or not. Relentlessness. That is oppressively constant. I am always, I am like, I'm constant. You can count on me.
0: Mm. Now, okay, I have a question for you. So, yeah. so that, I, I love that you brought up like the whole like pedal to the metal, but then your wives would be upset. Yeah. Because that's actually something Southwestern did not teach a good job of. And it's not necessarily the word... I hate when people... Not, not hate, but it's hard when people use the word balance Yeah. because it's also not the case. But it's just a, a, a giving yourself permission to say, hey, you know, I have... My, my life exists outside of Genesis yeah. in your case. How do you, how do you
1: balance that? Um, there is... The, ideal of it, the idea of an ideal schedule is something that you can can look at because whether or not you have a schedule, you have a schedule. And a lot of people are afraid to schedule out their time because they're worried it's going to compress them and, oh, it's going to be so constricting because I know exactly what I'm supposed to do it all the time. It is absolutely freeing to know what I'm doing all the time because instead of working you know, at 60%, 100% of the time, I work 100% for 60% of the time because I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Like my day today from, you know, eight 30, when I got here all the way till five o'clock, when I leave every single minute is accounted for. And I'm going to pour in every single minute that I have, because I'm away from my wife, I'm away from my kids. And if I'm going to be here, like goofing off, that's, that's a slap in the face to her. Like, that's so rude to her. If I'm going to, sorry, hon, I'm going to be away from you. And I'm not going to be doing my best to provide for a family. Like that's, that's just rude. And so when you take that perspective into it, cause I sold for a few summers, uh, you know, while I was married and while I had kids, I was out in the field still. And it's like, if I'm going to be away from them for two weeks, I'm going to break freaking records because what, what else, why else am I out here? And, Whew. and so when you take that mentality into it, now it doesn't mean I'm not busy. I mean, right now I, I, I do that schedule. I go home, feed my kids, swim in the pool, put everybody to bed. And then I'm working from eight o'clock to 11 o'clock most nights. Um, you know, I have date nights and things like that in there, but I'm, I go back, I'm, I'm building a business I'm, I'm excited about, it. I'm passionate about it. So I'm working, but I'm also very specific. Like there are times I'm going to be with my family and if there's an emergency, I'll absolutely help out. But if it can wait till tomorrow, it's going to wait till tomorrow and you have to have boundaries. And Ritzer actually did a pretty good job about that. He, um, he told me very early on, cause I was pissed that he didn't answer my phone calls and he goes, Jake, this is for my convenience. Not yours. I was like, ah, well said, Timmy. (laughs) Because what cell phones do is they give cell phones, give other people the opportunity to make their problems, your problems. Yeah. And they bring down boundaries because there's so
0: much connection, which isn't always a good thing. Amen. Oh, that's good. Write that down. Um, Okay. Let's just go a more broad question. Why Genesis? Why 2020? Why not 2019? Why Mm. not this year? And
1: why solar get your popcorn let's go this is a great story so we uh so peter and i were selling alarms um we might get a little political here but that's okay um so we had grown our alarm and it's funny because i don't even know if my politics are gonna lie with yours or not so this could be fun um sure and it doesn't matter i quit good Okay.
0: Honestly, I've only gotten into like one d- debate. Yeah. Everything else has been pretty agreeable. So if this is another one Dude, out of 220 I, something,
1: we are let's do I, it. I I'm in the re- re- relentless pursuit of of uh of new perspectives on things, right? You have to be you have to be extremely open-minded, but that doesn't mean that you're flip-floppy on your convictions. It just means it you're mean you're agreeable. You're open yeah. to the other side, right? Um I'm saying all this not even knowing, but uh, okay. Much so like exactly alike. I'd probably. Politics. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, um, so the summer is going, we had increased, uh, our, the size of our organization in the alarm world. We'd gone up and up and up and up, but we were at ASU at GCU and all these different campuses. And, um, our 2019 was our first dip in production. Wasn't that much, but it was a small dip. So we like pedal to the metal 2019. We're, we're full on recruiting a massive, like a, an army of people, we were headed towards a better summer than we'd ever had. And February, 2020, 15 days to stop the spread. And that killed, you know, 10% of our, our group got scared, got cold feet, they were out. Then it was like a month later that all the college campuses shut down. And I know Southwestern went through a ton of crap and kudos to them for learning how to do referrals over zoom. I bought some books and it was great. Yeah. Um, My brother
0: actually did the first ever zoom sale in the company's history. Oh
1: yeah. So and it was I probably guess. me, but he, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, Holy crap, it works. It's like Roger Sype all over again. It works. Uh, so we were, you know, and then we lost a whole bunch of our sales org cause they were like, we're not going to we're going home like we're not going to go out and sell. We're going to go home. And we didn't know. Could we sell? Could we not sell? We definitely were going to take our team to Texas because we knew like they didn't give Texas. a crap. So we can go to Texas. Yeah. To go to the real car. footage of people throwing parties, the country of Texas. So we uh, went to. Uh, Texas, U.S. OK, so we went so we ended up our team dwindled from God, I want to say 130, 150 people to like 70, 70 ish. And we had a team in Houston and a team in Dallas. Peter and I looked at each other. We're like, Hey, look, it's probably not going to function without us there. Like they need somebody there. They need someone to lead the charge. Let's do this. You take two weeks on. I'll take two weeks on. Like we'll go back and forth. We'll live in the Airbnbs. We'll run a sales school. We'll do the whole thing. So we were in Houston doing a sales school and we had 25 guys in a room together doing execs, jumping up and down, all sweaty. Day three of sales school, one of the kids starts coughing. We end up, everybody had to get COVID tests. Everybody had to get blood tests to see if we had antigens, the whole thing. Not a single person tested positive except that kid. And there were 30 guys in that room. 15 of them said, we're going to go quarantine at an Airbnb for two weeks. The other 15 said, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to work. The quarantine kids most of them quit. And, and it was also the summer of love, right? Like peaceful protests and cities burning to the ground yeah. and we're selling in Dallas. Great to sell alarms in Dallas, by the way, when the city is on fire. Um, yeah. when security seems to be at risk, it was a great sales pitch. Like, Hey, Hey, the reason I'm here is you see the smoke over there. Okay. Got a place to sit down. So it was a great, <laughs> uh, great sales pitch but our team got smaller and smaller and smaller and it was basically 40 people. And so it was the middle of July, early, or sorry, late June. Um, Peter and I are at this Airbnb in Arlington. We're both out there. It's our crossover time. He's on the phone with his wife. I'm on the phone with my wife having identical conversations, but because of bro code, not telling each other what's going on. Sure. So I'm out and I'm talking to my wife and she's like, she's like, I'm, pregnant. We've got the twins at home. Like there's crap going on in the city. There's still this pen. Like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? How is this sustainable? How this is where sustainability comes from, right? Like, would you ever consider doing something different? And I'm like, no, I'm doing this forever. And she's like, I'm just asking if you consider, I'm not telling you to leave. I'm like, fine, I'll quit tomorrow. She's like, no, it's not black and white. Like, are you open to it? Like, I okay, fine. I guess I'm open to it. Well, I guess Peter had had the, almost the identical conversation. And we came in and it was like out of a movie, man. We're sitting on the king size bed in this crappy little Airbnb, like kids again, laying on the bed, staring at the ceiling fan, just both clearly out of a heavy conversation. It's like, dude, what are we doing? Like best case scenario, we're three years away from rebuilding where we were at. Because we don't know what's going to happen with COVID. We don't, I mean, it's still like, there's, yeah, and, there's so much and stuff. people
0: forget what it's like that summer. I was oh. actually just having this conversation yesterday where it's like, if you really go back to like those first six months, it mm-hmm. was,
1: nobody knew what was happening. I didn't no. know if. I mean, and then the election was happening. It's yeah. like, it was just, nobody knew. Yeah. Like they I knew what, my feelings on it, but yeah. I didn't know what the rest of the world, thought. I didn't know what was going to yeah. happen. So nobody knew what was going to happen. So we're like sitting there and he goes, dude, I, I don't know what we're going to do, but. Like, you got to run the team. I'll I'll be back in a couple of weeks. So he flew out. He left. It was my turn to run the team. And five days later, my wife called me. It was Saturday morning. I was out selling. And she said, I just pulled my back. She's pregnant with twins at home. She's like, you have to come home. I was like, I can't can't come home. I never turned my cell phone on when I was working. Like, I can't come home. She's like, you got to come home. I was like, I can't. Ah, what? Ah, and I'm like what do I do? Like, I, I have to go home, but I can't go home, but I have to go home. And so I called Peter and I was like, Peter, I have to go home. And he's like, you can't go home. Like, I have to go home. So like, you can't go home. Who's going to lead the team. I, like, I, I don't know, but I have to go home. And he hung up and I was in my car. And I remember I was just like screaming on the freeway. I was not, I was driving to nowhere. I was like basically paralyzed. I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. Like, can, God, can you tell me what to do right now? Cause I don't know what to do right now. I think I'm supposed to go home, but I don't know what to do right now. And my phone rang and it was Peter. And I was like, Hey, what's up? He goes, don't worry. Spencer and Klein are going to run the team this week. You can come home. It's like, Oh, thank God. He goes, Oh, and we're starting a solar company. I was like, um, Oh, what do what now? He's like, we're starting a solar company. I said, well, at least you can ask me. Do you want you to ask me first? It's like, you want to start a solar company? I was like, sure. Now what, what's going on? What are we doing? And we spent the next uh, three hours. I drove back to the Airbnb. I packed up all my stuff. I bought an airline ticket, got to the airport, went through security, went through all, i never hung up the phone the whole way. I learned everything that he had learned. I got home. What I found out is he left uh, Texas and he had a, he had a call with one of his coaches. Uh, I think it was his Tony Robbins coach. And she just said, Peter, if you could erase all of the sunken cost bias that you have into alarms and you could just do anything. You could learn about any industry. You could jump into anyone. What would it be? He's like, it'd be solar. It'd absolutely be solar because I know too many people who have left alarms to go sell solar that I've never heard of again, which is weird because usually they like come back or they try to recruit you. He's like, I just need to know what's going on because I think it's a pretty good industry. And he had gone back And he went through his Rolodex and called everybody he knew that was in solar. And he started asking questions and listening and understanding and shadowing and learning about the industry. And by the time I got there, he said, even if you stay at Northstar and take all of my residual and take over the entire organization and you just stay there, I'm going to go sell solar. That's how convicted I am on the industry. And so I spent a week learning about the industry, learning about the product, man. It was when I switched from books to alarms. Um, I had had a, I had a decrease between summer number eight and number nine. And my commitment with Peter was if I decreased, I would watch, I would go shadow him selling alarms. And I, he's like, did you increase? I was like, no. He's like, all right, I'll see you Friday night. And I showed up two hours late and I was super negative and (laughs) I shadowed him (laughs) and I watched him sell an alarm. And I remember thinking two things. One, I'm better than him. And two, I'm going to crush it. (laughs) And I went, I went Little and followed, brothers. I know. So I went and shadowed a buddy who was selling solar and I thought two things, I'm better than him and I'm going to freaking crush this industry. Like it is it is such a logical sale because yeah. what kept me out of solar for a long time is people were selling it emotionally and they were selling a product that didn't exist. And there was kind of a sweet spot around 2020 where the tax incentives and the interest rates and all of those things had lined up where it's just this is what you're paying. This is what you're paying. Eh, Why wouldn't you do it? And it was just such a logical win, win, win for the customer, the company and the sales rep. Like everybody was winning and the, not to mention the environment, all those things. So we dove on, we dove in. So I was, I was the first sales rep at Genesis. We knocked on a door together. We, I, you know, had five sell in my first two weeks working three hours a day in Birkenstocks. I was like, I just made 10 grand in two weeks. That's fun. And So then I was back out in the field managing the alarm team while also selling solar. I was like switching polos halfway through the day, but it was like an undercover agent. Nobody knew what I was doing. And so by that, and then I came back and I just started selling full time. And um, so I was setting and then I learned how to close. And then from there, we, we recruited a few different people. We didn't actively recruit our sales rep from Northstar. We wanted to attract them not not strong on them or or, yeah. or rope them in we wanted to build yeah, something portion. that they yeah. like if you want to be a part of it great if you don't great like this is what we're doing and here's exactly how we're going to do it here's our core values here's what we stand for if you want to live in the gray you're not welcome like we're gonna there are gonna be people who join us who quit because they want to sell differently than we will let them sell and that's uh we're okay with that so that was how we found a genesis. August of August, September of 2020.
0: Where'd you get political? I didn't think you got political. I just you my, you my opinions
1: on like eh, COVID and stupid and whatever. Yeah, yeah. just I, I, I mean, think look, even listen, referring live... even referring to 2020 as the summer of love. I think some people would yeah, say. I just called the year of the pandy. Which sounds like a bandit. Chinese year, which yeah. it kind of was. It, it kind of—I mean, it's more and more—it's more and more looking the way it's always looked. you would be
0: remembered for COVID, and COVID would be remembered for China. You yeah, know what I'm saying like it's—if uh, it had been in yeah. Colombia where it got started, where I'm from, it would have been remembered for Colombia. It's—it's yeah. not,
1: you know. We well, you know like F two, three, four, five—that virus. Sorry, you probably know better as the West Nile virus because it comes from oh, yeah. West Nile. That's it. Yeah. Sorry, that's how that works. It's kind of the idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Wuhan. Yeah. Place, yeah yeah
0: but you know you know um on that just for you know because if someone's listening like i can't believe they sold during covid it's like listen they sold Dude, to a place where people nobody were cared to, i had yeah, three people
1: all summer that were like hey you know there's a pandemic i'm like yes and i'll go to the next door like whatever
0: i read a tweet about that i think and then you yeah. just move on yeah, yeah. But if you were doing it in Portland, now you're like, I see why people would be upset because it's like- Totally well, different. Yep. They don't want you here. Yeah. For, well, they don't. Yeah. Anyway. But it makes sense. It yeah. makes sense. I mean, I, I look at that. We agreed. <laughs> I figured we would. I, th- I thought we were like going into this like,
1: <laughs> you know,
0: to say something like heavy. my am like, no, right, no, sauce no, no, it no. up, bro. Let's go. And, and um,
1: so I'll, I'll say this too. I, so Peter and I have talked about it. Like, we're not going to shy away from our beliefs and sugarcoat things. Like- Yeah. People are going to like you for what they like you for and hate you for what they hate you yeah. for. And, it's and that was, that was like a superpower selling books, right? Cause a lot of people, when they sold books, they put on a persona and they had their like, Hey, I'm supposed to catch the homeowner. I'm guessing that's you. <laughs> yeah. I was just down talking with Mike selling book and they had all these weird mannerisms. I'm like, because it's easier to be fake and rejected because then they're not rejecting you. But if you're yourself and you're authentic, then it is you like, sorry. You got, and yep. you got to learn how to handle that.
0: So good. I was just. I do stand. I don't know if you know. I do stand up. I've heard. I've been doing uh, doing stand up here in Portland, and uh, one of my chiropractor went to watch one of the shows I just did, and he was like, are "You just so natural on stage." I like, quit. and I told him I was like, "When I sold books, I, that's exactly the lesson I learned." I I just had this conversation two hours ago with him or three yeah. hours ago with him, and I was like, "Yeah, it's because you're not. It, it's a performance, but because you have to be on. So there's a part. There is a part of it that is a performance. You Absolutely. have a script. So yep. there is like, so, but." the 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 skill is, and maybe it's an acting skill, but it's like you become, or it becomes you, and you don't become it. Maybe, mm-hmm. is the, right? So you're saying the same words that you know Susie's saying, but mm-hmm. because you've internalized them, and so now you don't think about the words, but you're just thinking about the person, yeah. and caring about them. But you just know that it, it. That's the of all the top salespeople that has almost been the most common, yeah. thread is. Something along the lines of, I just figured it out how to be myself in the book field, and that's mm-hmm. how I sold a lot of books,
1: dude. It's people uh, liked me. My sixth week, summer number one, I was sitting on the floor of this lady's house, and it was her and her daughter on the couch. And God bless the candidness of a twelve year old. She looked at her mom halfway through my uh, my uh, sales talk, and she goes, "He kind of sounds like a robot," <laughs> like out loud in front of me, and. I, I absolutely did that's why i sucked i was not yeah. being myself and and then i i wrote be yourself on the bottom of my visor and like that was that was my whole goal summer number one is learn how to be me
0: and it worked
1: it worked imagine crazy imagine that wow because yeah.
0: you're a likable person and ah, that's okay yeah yeah <laughs> and if people don't like you it's not because of you it's not because of me it's kind of like the whole phone thing you're 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 you know it's it's you're for your convenience yes. you're not for their convenience absolutely and the people that find you convenient are gonna buy your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Let's. All right, write that down. Um I'm keeping an eye on the time here because yeah. I know we got we got a we got a hard stop here. So yeah. let me shift over. Like, here's what's gonna have to happen. Yeah. There's no. We didn't even talk about any of your summers. Besides, like that's fine. I, I, Whatever. That, that's okay. This will but either that, be the most here, listened to or the
1: least listened to episode. No. no here's
0: here's what this means. <laughs> here's what this means. It means that you have. Plenty of things, plenty of things to talk about if you come back. Yeah, if you choose to come back. So you know, if you had, if you're, if you're having fun, we can definitely. Plus, we got to get Peter in on this. Oh yeah, at some point we too, so we can get more, more banter riff on that. All right, yeah. but I do want to go into some rapid fire questions. Okay. Um, and and I almost want to ask you this one last question because one thing I that you didn't, you and your brother are different than me and my brother is you guys are in business together. Yeah have you, before rapid fire, can I ask you about like, how how have you found that? Like, is it, how do you make it work? I know you said he's the pioneer and you're the perfectionist, but there's gotta be, does it ever like the family ever get in the way or like, how does that,
1: um, how do you guys, yeah, it's hard. Like there's definitely friction at times. Um, we're both very good at compartmentalizing though. So I've, I've seen it more as a, an asset, an asset than a detriment because, when we're we we live two miles down the road from each other so we always see each other and our families hang out and like it's nice because we can process work stuff when we're hanging out we own a property uh east of east of the valley like we have some acreage out there and a couple cabins and like we'll go out there and just with our families but we can chop down a tree together and process what happened the week before so it's like there's a really cool benefit with that um but there's other times where I'm like, I just want to punch him in the face right now. But then we still have dinner together because whatever for the benefit. Like, so for they're the kids. Yeah, they're happy for the, for the kids. It's like there have been times where I'm like, dude, I just, oh, I'm so, fr-. and I know that he's frustrated with me, but we're also, we don't let that stuff fester. That's one of the things that our, our relationship has done really well is we'll call it out. Like we'll see each other at work and something awkward went down. Like we can't we can't live in that awkwardness. We'll just be like, all right, let's stop everything until we, we hash this out. We got to hash it out. And if it takes 20 minutes or 30 minutes and we're going to hash it out. And between landmark and Tony Robbins and all of the different trainings we've done and, and communication styles that we've learned, we're all, we've always been able to get to a place of like, Oh, okay. I get it. I get why you did what you did. You get why I did what I did. Like, I totally get it. I shouldn't have done that. I should like, by the end, we're, we're, uh, we're flat about it. And that's, that's been a superpower that he and I have together.
0: That's sweet. Um, what I would like to see at some point is if you guys really get into it, you guys throw some gloves on, maybe yeah. some headgear, find like a ring somewhere and just hash it <laughs> just out. Just throw, throw at it. Instagram live. Let's <laughs> dude, just do it. We'll when, we were
1: in, dude, when we were in college, we did a play. It was a, uh, it was like a black box theater play. He was, we went to the same college and he at one point thought he wanted to do theater too. So we were in this thing and it was a very obscure play. Like, one of the weirdest plays i've ever been in and halfway through the director like i can't even tell you what led into this but all of a sudden the whole stage went black and you just heard ding 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 and when the lights came back up peter and i were both in like the mexican wrestling masks and just like <laughs> tiny little shorts and we legit did like a wrestling thing in this little black box theater. he picked me up threw me on the ground like ta- i don't even remember why but that was a part of it so that, that footage probably exists somewhere in the archives of uh, St. Ben's Saint Jan- and St. John's.
0: Yeah. <laughs> John's. If we could find it, bro, that would be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my All God. Right. Okay, let's go into some rapid fire questions, and we'll do a ponytail here or two Deal. Uh, that, of your favorite. And then, again, it just means you have to come back. So, I uh, guess we're going to have to do another episode. Oh, uh, man. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. Um, this is goes back to specific Southwestern questions and okay. by rapid fire doesn't mean you have to answer them fast, but more like just whatever comes to mind. So don't, you don't have to get caught up on like specifics if you don't want to, okay. uh, unless it's important. So number one, favorite ballpark, this is the easy, easy toss up favorite territory that you sold in, in your nine summers.
1: Uh, Michigan as a state is the golden promised land. Cause it gets dark at 10 o'clock all summer. Um, Hollywood road in uh, three rivers, three rivers i think it was called in western michigan hollywood it was like a 20 mile road and i probably had 150 customers on it like we crushed that road it was great everybody yeah, well, bought
0: that's swenson road is what it's, it's called yeah huh?
1: that's that's <laughs> it was everybody bought on hollywood road
0: oh my god my first summer this is the
1: only time i ever had
0: this happen but yeah. it was like a little drag of like eight houses okay and six of them had kids Ooh. and i got there like at five forty-five. I got pre-approached from one of the houses that didn't have kids, and they were kind okay. of a tighter knit community. They all, and then everybody bought. I had like five customers, like ba 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 ba. And I get to the last house, and my approach is literally like, "They all buy." Hey, I'm Andres. Yeah. Uh, I'm selling these books, and just just so you know, Tim and Jane, Jane bought, and then Scott and Ann bought, and then and I named them all, and they're like with yeah. detailed three dimensional names, saying they all bought. And I go, and so they all said I should come because you're going to buy. Mm. So do you want to order the, what they ordered? And she's like, well, what did they
1: get? They have the, I guess I'll just, just get kids, it all and I'll just get that. And I was like,
0: okay. Oh, and that was awesome. the whole thing. <laughs> I, left so, that house and I was like, "Oh, That's uh, solid.
1: So now that you said so that, cool. now that you said that I got to put two asterisks. So Hollywood roads, favorite street, favorite territory, Grove city, Pennsylvania. When I finished number one, I, oh, right. Grove, I crushed Grove city. It was like, 7,000 units so in six weeks. Like that was fun. Um, so fun. And then, uh, but I had a street like the one you're talking about. So I'll try to keep this story brief, but it was sure. my third summer. Um, it was this time. It was a little like neighborhood like this. And there were 10 houses in there. Eight of them had kids. First door I knock on, I'll never forget this lady. Her name was Tracy Saraki. Uh, she answered the door. She's like, Oh, you're selling books. I'm like, yeah. And so I walked in and I did She's a kindergarten teacher like big house, nice family. And I'm buying all the books or, and she bought everything. She's like $700 worth of books. She's writing me the check and her husband pulls in and she looks at me and she's like, Oh yeah, sorry, this isn't going to go. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, he's going to blow it up. He doesn't like salespeople. I'm like, hey, what do you mean? He doesn't like salespeople? What does he do? He's a car salesman. I'm like, well, then he should love salespeople. And he came in and he's like, Oh yeah, this isn't happening. And so she like ripped up the check and walked me outside and she goes, hey, by the way, if you, ever, if you ever drive by and my SUV's here and he's not here, just pull in. I'll write you a check. We'll do the whole thing. <laughs> and me being like Sammy Southwestern, I'm like, I will never do a suicide call. I will never do. It was the most tempted I ever was to do a suicide call. Every other mom on that street bought for me and they all bought like everything. So every single mom bought for me. Five weeks later, I'm on a completely different part of my area. And I got this guy, Dustin Donnelly with me. And Dusty had told me earlier in the day, I'm like, what did you want to learn today? He's like, I just want to know how you sell everybody. Like everybody buys from you. I'm like, no, don't everybody doesn't buy from me. He's like, dude, everybody buys from you. So we're halfway through the day, five weeks later, totally different part of town. We went, those were big houses. Now I'm in like single houses, brick houses, side by side, little street off in the inner city. I'm like, knock on the door, I'm standing there. And I look in the driveway next to me and I'm like, huh, I think I recognize that big black SUV and out of the door is Tracy Seracchi. And she looked at me and I looked at her and I was like, Tracy, she goes, Jake, she said, do you still have the books? I was like, do you have a checkbook? She goes, yes, I do. So she grabbed the checkbook, wrote me a check. I unloaded. I was like, Dusty, go put all of these books in her car, all the kids books, all these ones and the TLCs load her up. That was the whole conversation. And we got back in the car and he looked at me and I looked at him. I'm like, oh, yeah, everybody buys, bro. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He was like, what just happened? Like, well, it's just his mind must have been good. Things happen. People work hard and have a great attitude, Dusty. That's all it takes, man. Oh, how do you work? The liquor you get. Yeah, uh, there you go. Favorite territory, favorite
0: street, favorite neighborhood. There you go. Now what's what was your favorite kind of turf? So like big break, country,
1: BFE uh, country, man. I liked uh yes. I, I like forty yes. houses, 40, 40 calls, uh, thirty-five demos, twenty sit-downs, twelve sales. Like that's that was my <laughs> bread and butter, man.
0: The best. And it's almost so like not quite low income, but like middle yeah. to kind of high, like the kind of place where a double wide you're like oh they got money oh yeah oh that, yeah yeah yeah. That, like, that all right,
1: place. that's 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 40 minutes be, right there a
0: double wide with a treble e in the back is uh, and an above know, ground just, pool yeah let's go a couple let's of squads
1: out front <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. oh get yeah. me in there. but you could but you also like you'd also sell to the occasional amish family and you're like that was cool yeah i appreciated yeah. you uh brother yeah. yoder and then uh yeah and then you get to ro- i wrote a 700 pound pig uh this lady was like you want to ride my pig i'm like oh yeah so i get to ride this huge like eight and a half foot pig it's crazy
0: you gotta it's love crazy. this i mean this is like dude. that's the, that doesn't happen in, in suburbia no not <laughs> at all you're in the country people are like have you ever shot a gun no
1: you you want here's the thing i had dude but he goes I, do you wanna <laughs> in the yeah I, so when i was in georgia i actually did have a great like country suburbia story when i was in georgia i was sitting down with this family i was delivering their books and you know Nice house, middle of a neighborhood. and He goes, any regrets this summer? Like any, like you enjoyed yourself? You had fun? I'm like, yeah, but I never got to get any moonshine. He goes, you want some? Say like, less. Oh, yeah. And he went downstairs and he's got like the mason jar, the whole thing. He's like, here you go. And that, that story ends with me having moonshine with my HQ after deliveries at a mud bog sitting on the back of a flatbed truck with a guy named Goat with his shirt off and his nipple rings just drinking Coors Light and watching monster trucks. Gotta love Georgia. Okay, that so
0: wild. I need you to tell me that story at some point, whether it's later after this or just like... Yeah. It, was a, back, but there it was, was a customer. It was no a customer. like, you gotta skipping. come out to
1: my mud bog. I'm like, I'll go to a mud bog? What's a mud bog? It was red You had ash. me a nipple piercing. Dude, goat was funny. He was a good guy. He was the goat.
0: Uh, okay, favorite advanced sales?
1: Uh, Ooh. um, Oh, that one's really hard. I mean, I had Dave Brown's on repeat for years. Dave Roses or Dave Brown's? Dave Brown's. Yeah, with the, 20, with the record the record 20, breaking thing. Yeah, 2020 vision. I was sitting there, I would like tell random people in my class this is what it was. It was like I was uh, I'd memorize all these different packages. So that that was one. Um my favorite live advanced sales ever was Brian Ross. Um he just did a thing and he just he said uh uh I also really liked KJs. I think it was KJs when he talks about numbers and whatever. But Brian Ross like cards. Yeah. Brian Ross said, if you want to sell, you know, if you want to sell five thousand units. When you see three red flags, you ask a closing question, you get out. You want to sell 7,000 units. You got to look for two red flags, ask a closing question and get out. You want to sell 10,000 units. You get one red flag, ask a qualifying question and get out. And I lived wow. by that. I lived by that. That was, I heard it after my second summer. And that's when I like, I started hitting more a lot after that. Cause I just realized it's an abundance mentality. It's 20 minutes or less, like put it on your watch. And if, if you're getting non-buying signs, call it out, ask a closing question and get to the next house. And it was, um, it, wow. it may have been something he wrote on a napkin five minutes before he walked up there, but man, I embodied that for seven years afterwards.
0: Wild how that changes your life, yeah. kind of. Oh, yeah. uh, favorite HQ? Uh,
1: definitely uh, my third summer in Michigan. I lived with uh, Bruce Leach in uh, Niles, Michigan. <laughs> Bruce was funny, man. He went through a whole, like over the course of the summer, he found Jesus halfway through the summer. But at the beginning of the summer, he was like a 60 year old party animal. I mean, he, some of the stuff he told me, man, (laughs) like he had a picture of his girlfriend and it basically was like the cover of uh, American. What is that one with Kevin Spacey with the, the girl covered in rose petals? Like, uh, I'm not sure. Anyways, it was know. it was like his girlfriend covered in rose petals, just on his mantle. He's like, that's my girlfriend. Like, okay, Bruce. Uh, when when he asked, we knocked, We found him by knocking on his house. And he said, uh, he's like, yeah, I got one bedroom. And so we looked at the bedroom. It's like a 12 by 12 foot bedroom for four guys. I was like, Bruce, I, that's not going to work. Like, you seem like a nice guy, but that's not going to work. He goes, well, I mean, I also have my entire basement. Oh, you start with that. maybe that would work. It's three bedrooms, a couch, a whole thing. So, but we we paid our literally our rent. We just bought him a 30 rack of Natty Ice. That was our rent. Uh, and he ended up hosting for like five or six summers afterwards. Travis Mickelson Let's lived with him. Like go. this dude was a G. He, we overheard a <laughs> phone call one day. This one's a little PG-13, but he's on a phone call and he's like, what? No. Now? No. All right. I'll see you later. Hey, Bruce, what was that? Neighbor lady wants to have a threesome. You know, it's like, she's got to call me earlier. I got to get the Viagra to kick in. We're just like, what? What? We're just like making our sandwiches for the next day. Bruce was a uh, oh, G. So good. <laughs> and then, that sounds like Portland. But then half, halfway through the summer, every morning, we're running out of the house at 6 a.m. He's sitting in the living room reading his Bible saying, have a blessed day. Like, totally... Totally 180 degrees halfway through the summer, and I don't know what happened, but I know that that he was still that way years later. So I'm I'm happy for him, and that was uh, Bruce was awesome,
0: Bruce Almighty. Oh yeah. Jesus, Bruce, good guy. <laughs> oh, that's so that's good, bro. Um, okay, I got it. okay. Favorite back breakfast spot,
1: uh, Nancy and Susie's. Third summer, same deal: pancakes with peanut butter and jelly in between them. Nancy
0: and Susie's. Nancy Where and Susie's this?
1: cafe in uh, Michigan. Michigan. Niles, Where? I think Niles. I don't think I don't know if it's still there. Their picture was on our wall for like two years. Every once in a while, I'll try to go find it and see if it's there. Nancy Susie's cafe
0: is closed. <gasps> Where, you know, wah, wah. heartbreak? Okay, and then the last one I'll ask you is, um, what was your? And this doesn't necessarily mean units. Okay. It doesn't necessarily mean units, but sometimes it can mean it's the same thing but your favorite and or best sales day that you ever had?
1: Uh, 448. <laughs> okay. So was it was, I knew that. <laughs> you are unit ahead. You are unit ahead. That was a fun day. Uh,
0: 48. Wow. That's yeah,
1: solid. it was. So I actually listened to an advanced sales CD. I, I don't remember if it was Amaris or Kaya or somebody, but they were telling a story of how they really wanted to hit Mort and they were depressed because they didn't think they were going to hit it. And they talked to their host family and they lived with a book girl and she was like oh man like my best day was 400 units and i don't know if you know this one but the the whoever the advanced sales cd she's like well i kept thinking if she could do it i could do it so i went out and i sold like 405 units that day and i hit mort and i went home and i told my host mom i hit mort i hit 405 today and she went today that was my best week and so she had like misinterpreted it right and i had listened to that but i was at my friend pat smith uh, had, had hit Mort before I did my third summer. And I was at like 800 some units and I really wanted to beat him. And I had just listened to that. And I'm like, why not? I'll just show everybody everything. I'm like, let's just see what happens. It was like yeah. it was like 11 customers, 448. It was, a, it was a wild day. Like everybody yeah. bought everything
0: yeah dude that's how that's the secret i, yeah. I honestly it, for people who are like what's the secret just show everything the I had peter petkoff here i don't know if you've heard the name but uh or if you've stayed up to date with uh, southwestern people he's mm-hmm. the guy that now has a record he beat dustin's record he oh sold wow 30, 30 000 units in one summer he did in like 14 weeks or something but i was like and he he's from europe bulgarian yeah. he came here and he's like staying he was staying in my house for like a couple weeks while he was looking for hqs yeah and one day i was like so what what do you like Honestly, like, yeah. I mean,
1: that's a jump. You he just goes, hold a gun to their head like you will buy from me, right? It's yeah. like, <laughs> I'm
0: like oh, wait. I said, yeah, what is it? And he goes, I just I just don't sell anything below the whole bag mm. to everybody. Unless it's like absolutely that doesn't make sense. Like if you have yeah. a senior in high school, they don't need the mufus, right? But like generally speaking, like most families have kids of all ages and you never know who needs coloring books. And if they if that comes part of the package and then they donate it, who cares? But like right. I just close the bag and that's what I sell. So then it's like if you have four or five customers and they all bought the bag, there you go,
1: five hundred units a day. Yep. Yeah. So and I was like, just a few hundred units a day, no big deal,
0: right? It's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, um, cool, hell yeah. That, that concludes. Okay, so here we go. We have about six. A few minutes. We have a few minutes. You can run so, over a little bit if you want. My okay. My,
1: yeah, I. Uh, I have a hard stop. That's like, yeah, it's not that hard makes sense all right
0: so here we go so this is time for ponytails so this is this is where we have our guests just for people listening who maybe it's the first episode where we ask you uh, earlier on i was like hey just think of like your maybe your favorite book story that you take with you all the time Mm. and save that for the end so we've had some you know nipple piercings we've had uh you know found a jesus yeah you know former unicorn all that yeah great but in your mind when you think back on your southwestern experience what is like one or two memories that you like man this story If I had had to tell it again, this is the one. Oh, Oh,
1: that's a great one. A great question. Um, I'll, this is the one that gets asked for the most when people have heard a lot of my stories because it's just so out of this world. Um, Good. And it was my first summer and it was towards the end of my first summer. Um, I was selling in Aiken, South Carolina and there's a cool like asterisk at the end of the story, but I was selling in Aiken, South Carolina and I was driving kind of out of town. It was like towards the end of my turf and off the right side of the road was go downhill into like a forest area. And on the left side, it was like, it was big brick. I looked over. And I'm like, Oh, huh, that's some pretty big brick over there. Like legitimate houses that are big and brick. I didn't really have that much my first summer. So I was like, Oh, huh. I didn't know that's what it was. So I turn left and I drive into this neighborhood and I immediately was like, okay, this is weird. Like I got the heebie-jeebies the moment I drove in and the neighborhood was called Heatherwood. So if in post you want to like look this up, you can. Cause I did it on Google earth, like a month ago with Peter. Cause I was like, this is what I'm always talking about. He's like, trippy. So I drove in and all the grass is mowed perfectly. Every house is identical, not identical, but it's like all the same tone of brick and they're all huge. 15 foot glass, like huge windows, but every window has brown paper in it. I'm like, why is there brown paper in all these windows? And every front driveway has a half, a half moon, um, like, uh, bathtub with a statue of Mary inside of it. I'm like, what the, where the hell am I? And then brand new Lexuses and Volvos, like silver cars driving by me. And every one of the women looked like Carol Brady. They had like little beehive blonde haircut and they drove out. I'm like, am I on a movie set? Like, where am I right now? I drove in a little bit further. I noticed that behind every house is a single wide trailer. Also kind of weird. I turned the corner and there's a one normal house in the middle with a big yard. And the thing that was unique about this big yard is there was a 40 something year old man running around the yard, completely butt naked. And I literally, I was like, I turned around, I drove out. I'm like, what on earth was that? I don't know what that was, but that was the weird, I had the heebie jeebies in that neighborhood. So I went on an investigation and I, you know, you I went, to. A, I had to, so you I go to. across the street and I'm selling to families. I'm like, what is going on in Heatherwood? What is going on? So this is corroborated by four or five different families. This is not just like one lady told me this. Like I kept asking. I'm like, I got to, I'm not going to tell people about this unless it's real. So it's the gypsies. And I'm like, the gypsies? They're like legit Irish travelers who have come and moved over here. And the husbands do, uh, they do, they go out of state and they paint people's driveways and I cannot confirm nor deny whether or not they're actually ripping people off, but they're like, they're ripping people off. They're painting their driveways. It's all washing off. They come home on weekends. None of their kids go past sixth grade. They have different covered eyeballs. The family lives in the back of the, the uh, they live in the trailer for three years while they're chanting and doing rituals to get the spirits out of their house. And they live in the, tr- the grandma what? lives in the trailer because all the kids are inbred had to have different cover eyeballs, different colored eyes. And I'm like, what this is no, way, there's right? no way, but this is like multiple families telling me this. I'm like, all right, <gasps> I got to go sell me a gypsy. So I go across the street and I start knocking and I'm like, I have to go sell one. And I got, I, I, I went, I had to go knock the trailer and I, they didn't live in the house. I'm like, so who lives up there? Like, we don't live in it. We're still working on it. I'm like, okay, that house has clearly been there for a while. And it was a grandma and like a younger mom and they both looked like carol brady they sounded like brad pitt from uh snatch with this pikey accent with a little southern twang in it and uh and this 12 year old girl didn't know what college was it was like kind of sad i was like so are you planning to go to college she's like college i was like say come again (laughs) she's like college i'm like yeah like where?" uh, do you have older siblings? But all of the boys drop out of school at like 12 or 13 years old to go work with their dads. And that's just like the lifestyle they have. And I did meet a kid with two different colored eyes, which was really trippy. And I got, so I, they didn't buy anything from me because she wasn't going to college. Right. So I was like, what the ACTs, you could use them as Frisbees. No. Okay. So I went to this other house and I got in the house. So I got in the house and dude, I got to tell you, most gaudy over the top expensive house I've would really ever been in. I've been in a house that has elevators and huge Amos, this thing and like heated driveways. And there's some crap out in western Michigan that my goodness, but these houses, the carp is like plush carpet, mahogany everything, crystal chandeliers, like just reeked of money all the way through it. I sold the lady the my books for her brand new baby. She had to go borrow money from her neighbor because she didn't have any money. Should have go borrow 50 bucks to pay half down for it and then try to talk me out of it when I went to deliver it to pay for the rest of it. But man, it was like, I sold one customer in there and I'm like, I'm out. Like I am How not, I'm just, I feel weird. Like that was the weirdest experience. So yeah, the gypsies of my first summer was probably one of the strangest places I, I sold in. <laughs> <laughs> you sold you a gypsy. I you sold, didn't. I had to sell me a gypsy. I, I got one and I, yeah. Bro, oh, also they weird. all, all the property. So none of the houses had, uh, it was either a sink or a bathroom. One of the two, because that allowed them to be classified as businesses. All the property lines were the same and they all had the same last name. So it was listed as one property that was a business and that's how they paid taxes. And it was Heatherwood, South Carolina, or what town is the this Heatherwood is? subdivision in South Carolina. Um, like if you look up Heatherwood Avenue in, in South Carolina, Heatherwood street, it was like ugh, so weird. I missed mean, 30. Do
0: you know what part of South Carolina I was in? Uh, it was
1: near Aiken, near Aiken or North in Augusta, case. near North Augusta. Actually yeah, I been. found it. There you go. I found it. If you go to Google Maps, oh, Street View and wow. like drive in.
0: Oh, dude, I got, I, got, I got one better. Yeah. I got one better.
1: you know, pop it up? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, I have to tell people about this. Neighborhood oh, in North
0: good. Augusta, home to the Irish travelers.
1: Dude! I see I'm not full of crap. There it is.
0: Murphy Village neighborhood. Look at it right there. That's some good territory. Good.
1: Some that's some good turf. All these like
0: Yeah, there's yeah, one of the brick houses. houses.
1: So those windows were all can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, can, those yeah. windows were all like just brown paper in all of the windows. It was so Imagine trippy. The Nobody's yeah, talking. It was, it's all, all the these brown brown <gasps> pa- and then there's the trailers yeah <laughs> <We're> back there <laughs> bro what the hell everything's trimmed perfectly it was like driving into uh what's the word i'm looking for um pleasantville like it was just Whoa, i can't believe there's a youtube time. clip of that <laughs> this was your turf that was that was a part of my
0: turf yeah wow how bananas how odd yeah how strange so, man that that's a great ponytail right there dude that's so, and by the way and people who are listening are like oh that's so, uh those people aren't weird listen when you knock on thousands of doors mm-hmm. and the word weird is defined as abnormal or not of the common or uncommon yeah that is the it's definition of very weird, weird. <laughs> so real quick
1: weird. side sub story other this is when you said ponytails this one popped up i didn't even write on my thing but i was selling in georgia i think it was georgia and I had. Uh, I would always sit at church for gravy time, like I'd find a church parking lot to go sit in and I'd, I'd pray and I'd read some stuff and and I'd go to the bathroom in the woods and whatever. So I had uh, I was in I was in a church parking lot in Georgia, in the middle of nowhere. and I was standing there peeing and I looked off into the woods and I was like, that's a very flesh looking thing on the ground out there did I just find a body? No. Like it's been seven no. years. I probably found a body. Okay. um, So I went back to my car and the person who was shadowing me, was Jason. I was like, Jason, you got to come here. Like you got to like, come here. So we walked over there. And I was like, is that a body? And she's like, Oh my God, I think it's a body. I'm like, I think there's a body. So I like climbed over the fence and I don't think it was on church property. So I'm like, but I'm like, just climbed over a fence and start going back there. And the closer I get, the more I'm like, that is a body like that is a legitimate i see three and a half feet of flesh like that is a body it was not a body it was a um um rather intricate and uh most likely very expensive uh sex toy that had been discarded in the middle of the forest and i and it also happened to be collect random week and i was like like, get a bag no it was was like it was like, it had some weight. Like, I tried to pick it up with a stick. It had some weight to it. Oh, and I was like, Jason, do I have a garbage bag in my car? Like, what do we have in my car? We got to bring this to the Sunday meeting. Um, you have to. This is the ultimate above and uh, bigger up, and better. Dude, We ended up just leaving it. I'm like, I'm not even, I can't touch it. Like, I can't. You touch it. I'm a germaphobe. I'm like, I'm not. I, no. I'm like, I got to stand 10 feet back because you don't know. Like, but oh my gosh, that was the weirdest and I've seen like South Carolina my first summer on the third of Seriously. July. I walked by, you know, I walked by someone's uh, garage that was fully lit up, and he had his full like, clan outfit hanging up in the garage, perfectly classy. ironed. I was like, classy, Where am I, right? So I, I've seen some weird stuff, but that in the middle of the forest, That's was probably there. the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> Yeah.
0: (laughs) I had a I I won't show it because it 'cause it'll take time to find it, but and I've done I've shown it in other episodes. But in Pennsylvania, I was up in Honesdale, so I was in the northeastern section. I'm driving the middle of the woods, just woods, country roads, right? And then all of a sudden there's like bicycles of different technological advancements. So some were like new with like shifting speeds and some for like were like from like the nineteen forties. Okay. And they were stapled and or hung up to trees multiple trees throughout the road <gasps> like up and down and I was like creepy what the hell <laughs> so that's the weirdest thing I found in the middle of the woods while oh, I was selling it's just like what weird is stuff this out there, man. this is crazy yeah. <laughs> and that's all in this country <laughs> so
1: we oh, people are weird man oh, and yeah. we've seen it intimately oh yeah
0: <laughs> so wonderful and,
1: and people are good man some of the coolest nicest yeah. most incredible uh, human beings on this planet you meet when you're out knocking on doors it's pretty cool I've
0: said it before. I've met the dads that I didn't want to be like, and the dads that I definitely want to be like in the future. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, the husbands and like, Oh, like I just you just meet people that you are like, well, I if the world was more like you, even mm-hmm. just a little bit, we'd all be in a better place. Yeah, amen. That's a good note to draw. Uh, pause. Well, when I want to say pause and not end because right. I'm good with that. You have to come back again, bro. You have to come back again. Um, we had a whole page of like stories. Yeah, I we got, didn't even get to. We about. hit.
1: We hit the only one on there that I <laughs> Heatherwood wasn't on there and. The, i i wrote the sex doll on there after i sent it to you so we haven't hit anything on that whole page anything on that
0: hope it's a whole list next thing you'll just start from beginning to just end it's just funny stories, stories. yeah <laughs> All right, man. Hey, we're going to close this one up, guys. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Andres Gamboa. If you guys want to get a hold of Jake, so there's a couple things. Oh, well, we have a lot of book people that are listening or past book people who might be looking for a place to work. So if yeah. you guys are like, hey, that culture, those core values, I align with all of those. You guys make sure you go and check out. Either click on the link below. We'll have like a direct website or a way to contact Jake if you need to. If you can't find it, just message us and then we'll get you in touch with Jake um, so you guys can get a a little bit more information on that career opportunity. Or if you just want to catch up with him, make sure to go there. Make sure you guys follow us. Uh, Reminder, Bizzler is now going to be in the Dominican Republic. So if you guys want to come out to our alumni sizzler trip, it's going to be in the DR in late October. Jake, you're automatically invited to that. Bring Peter and your wife and his wife. We need, all, we need as many people. Lee McCroskey is now officially going, so we'll see you guys there mm. on, for that. Um, we'll catch you on, on the next episode, guys. Thanks so much. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for being on, Jake. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Bye.